Claude Morton would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is an independent production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers, and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is proud to be a WGA signatory company, and they fully stand by the WGA, SAG, and their members in their fight for extremely reasonable standards. Accordingly, they are not accepting script or treatment submissions at this time, but both William and Zena Rush are available via email, free of charge to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers. Their information will be made available in the show notes. Ahead of the strike, William Rush has individually produced numerous projects, including Coffee with Baba, Day by Day, They Slay, Before, Pack is Here, Abiquiu, The Winemaker, and Where Do You Draw the Line? Two feature films, Group and Immersion, are slated for release this fall. Absolutely no picket lines will be crossed and no collective bargaining agreements will be violated in the making of either of these films. And very generously, Original Cinematic is providing all Podmortem patrons with a special link to view these films. If arrangements can be made, they will even schedule a virtual or in-person screening for our patrons. We cannot thank Original Cinematic enough for their contribution to our show and the horror community as a whole. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations! Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the set of Morning Mysteries, discussing the 2018 found footage horror film Hell House LLC 2: The Abaddon Hotel. This film was written and directed by Stephen Cognetti. The sequel to Hell House LLC, this film further explores the lore of the infamous Abaddon Hotel, as well as provides context and motivations for the characters in the original film. While widely considered not as strong as its predecessor, Hell House LLC 2 The Abaddon Hotel is a fun entry to the franchise with its scares and twist ending. This film was requested to us by friend of the show and when to go getter Kate Lamp. We want to thank her so much for the suggestion and for always being so incredibly supportive and a great friend. So, what did you guys think about Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel, the first time you saw it? I don't exactly remember the first time that I seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I want to say we we might have watched it together. Um, I do remember being... I don't want to say not as impressed as as the first movie because the first movie I really really liked, um, but I do remember liking it. Um, watching it again for the show, I like it a lot more. <laughs> and I told your sister the more I think about it, I do really really like these movies. And it's funny because we've only seen them a couple of times. 
But then the more I think about it, I'm like, man, I do enjoy what's happening here, which is funny because I didn't enjoy Haunt as much. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I think in retrospect, I think I will have enjoyed Haunt. I was going to say, I think that Haunt was a lot greater than we thought it was. Yeah, we were <laughs> a little... Yeah, I'm going to watch it this I'm going to watch it this year. Maybe this is what I was looking for. Okay. A little more of what's going on here. Mm. Um, but yeah, that did make... Because maybe you're right. Haunt probably is better than we gave it credit for. And then thinking about it now... But I do enjoy this story and I like getting a little more of the lore and what was going on. Um, you know, well, some of it, you know, but <laughs> we'll get to that. Problems. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to it. <laughs> I, I think I came away from this film with more appreciation for the first. Okay. And some of that is what a sequel is supposed to do mm-hmm. to enrich this series. Yeah, yeah. And other parts of it were me realizing kind of how good we had it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really nothing against this film. I feel like the the issues that I have with this film, uh, honestly, I'm just kind of a little torn because I came away from the first film wanting to know more. Mm-hmm. And there were some moments where they really just hid things from you completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, well, I guess that's clear that we'll learn that maybe in another film. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so it's good that there's another one to tell us these things. But then there are some points where it's just like, <laughs> you're just, the script is like, well, this is just 10 pages of exposition just in a row. <laughs> just Sometimes. Just yeah. telling us the story of the... <laughs> hotel <laughs> yeah but i mean i guess it's it's something like this especially with the found footage format it's really hard to tell the story like that's why the blair witch project is so perfect mm-hmm. it wasn't weighed down by the lore the lore came outside of it yeah and it enriched it through your appreciation of the film yeah so i feel like it's just very difficult to do a film heavy in lore in the found footage format so it's really nothing against the filmmakers the task is difficult yeah. yeah but i feel like i don't know there were just a lot of times that i was like this really feels like the middle of a trilogy <laughs> like, <laughs> you know it's the bridge yeah it is the bridge but i also want more i want a view of the water too <laughs> <laughs> you know and i not to say because there are a few moments that i really really like yeah yeah uh there's a couple of scares there's one scare in a hallway that i'm like that's brilliant yeah um, and I appreciate them bringing back uh, so many of the characters from the first film. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like is there are a couple of characters that we really, really should talk to and see. Yeah. yeah. And they're just not there. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's scheduling or if it's just they just don't want them in this film for a reason and then they'll bring them back in the third one. Mm-hmm. But um, there was one character that was kind of egregious because he alone as a character kind of dismantles the entire uh, mystery of the Abaddon Hotel. Okay. Oh. And we'll talk about him a little bit later. Yeah. Because right. he's very important in the first film and they talk about him. Uh, they talk to him. And yeah. And then they, he just never even is discussed in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but he but he did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. you're right. You know? I know who you're talking and about. And so, I don't know. But um, some scenes work really well. Some scenes do not. Uh, some of the acting is it's a mixed bag right right um but i mean it's a it's a fun movie to watch i think it's it's one of those group movies oh yeah this is a turn it on on a late night mm-hmm. group of friends and enjoy yourselves but maybe don't um analyze it scene by scene for a, yeah. <laughs> for a podcast, <laughs> for a podcast. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it is a little bit of a mixed bag. I will say overall, I really do enjoy it still. Um, two things can exist at once. I can acknowledge this is not as good as the first one. Some of the actors are better than the other actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are moments that maybe drag a little bit or, I mean, that th those things can all be true and I can still enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I feel like <laughs> when they do get to the hotel and you're looking at some of the props and the sets and everything, I was like, man, I really fucking really, really liked that first movie. Like it makes you like, oh, we're back. Yeah. Um, And that that was a really cool feeling. I like exploring more of the lore. I like the way that they were able to kind of go back and explain things that were left really ambiguous and unanswered in the first movie. I feel like that's not easy to do, like mm. you were saying, and they accomplished they accomplished it, I think. Yeah. They do it. Uh, they they do it. They <laughs> succeeded in doing it. Um but I think that this one is just a lot of fun. Like you said, watch it with a group. Um, I enjoyed watching it by myself. I think that I just really like these movies. Um, but again, I can be transparent and say that this is not as good as the first one. It's not. But I think, T, you said something earlier when you said like the thing, the thing, the little things they do, they're good. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's a lot of those little things that like you could just miss or you see going through and it's like that I forgot about most of the bad stuff. Because <laughs> I'm not going to lie because it, it's I'll be honest. And, and I thought about it last night and I did want to uh, make it a point to say it while when we were recording. Mm -hmm. So I noticed and I, I got up last night. I had to go to the bathroom. And then when I was coming back, all I could think about was an image from the movie one of the and i was like man if i'm thinking about that yeah. at two in the morning to get up i was like that movie had an effect on me yeah i was like that's good shit that imagery burned in my head to when i got up to go use the bathroom in the middle of the night i seen that like, yes. oh, shit. and i'm like yeah i'm like that's not real but i'm like fuck that's yeah to think about it and my mind was still like hey remember this it's like, dude, that, yeah, I know it's not the greatest, but it, mm. the little things they do do, I do really, really appreciate it. And there are a few, there's probably like two or three like little scenes yeah. that you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. And I know, I think I know the exact one that you're talking about haunting you in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because as I was doing my notes, I was like, that's really good. Yeah. But then sometimes they just take them like too far. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's one moment that feels like the, like you just got killed in a video game. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, I don't have any lives left. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go back to the beginning. I didn't save. Yeah, I'm respawning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, damn it. Damn it. But um, other moments, uh, I feel like there are subtle moments of horror that work very well. Mm. Things that you don't notice in the background. Yeah. And in an interview with Cognetti, he talked about The Exorcist being an influence on that. Okay. And I feel that because it is a lot of, you go back and watch it the second time, and you're like, I didn't even see that. Yeah. And it's really cool. But then sometimes they take those moments and they're like, all right, now it's in your face. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, damn it. <laughs> they do. Yeah. It's like, well, what are you, uh, when you leave the house, take one accessory off. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> yes. It's like, dial it back just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need that sash. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? 
But um, one thing I did want to mention up at the top is that this film, as far as the three of us attempting to do any research, mm. very light on production. Yes. Very light on everything. A lot of interviews are either specifically about the first film mm. or they're about a retrospective of the trilogy. Yeah. Which we really can't get into yet. Yeah. And so it was it made it very difficult. One thing I will say, I read an interview with Readers Digested. Great name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Stephen Cognetti. And he was talking about how he always intended it to be a trilogy. Oh. Okay. From the start, even when he made the first film, he actually chopped down his ideas to make the first film. Oh, all right. That's really cool. Yeah. And so he didn't think he was ever going to make the second film Mm -hmm. or the third film. And it was through the success of the first film because it kind of traveled word of mouth. I mean, we kind of caught wind of it uh, whenever it came out. Yeah. And so, I mean, word travels. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody's talking about it in the horror circles as well. And then suddenly they're like, hey, well, maybe we could do a sequel. Yeah. And so they do it. And then I think Shudder released it. Yeah. yeah. And then I think they did the same with the third. Oh, yeah. But that's just like when we talked about with Puppet Master. Yes. They did the straight to video release and then word of mouth. And it's like, look, now 15 movies later, we're still going. Yes. Which you know is what I mean? Why? Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's not 15 of these. But. No. <laughs> well, not yet. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. But uh, they had said that. For him, the three influences, and you see them so clearly once you know them. Mm-hmm. The Exorcist, as I said. Yeah. Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Okay. And Lake Mungo. Oh. oh, all right. And in these moments where they're like, <laughs> and it's very funny to me because there's a lot of moments in this film where they where something happens and they're like, did you see it? Yeah. <laughs> did you guys see that? And then they zoom in and you're like, that is Lake Mungo. Yeah. <laughs> that is Lake Mungo all over. That movie is so good. Yeah. It is so good. And the mockumentary, the, yeah. you know, especially the start of this film. Yeah. You're like, this is, and, you know, I, and I respect whenever they can say these are the things that influence. For sure. Yeah. But I think that it's, uh, we should cover like Mungo. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we investigate this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's check in. Now, this film relies heavily on having already seen Hell House LLC. If you haven't, we suggest you go watch it or listen to episode 82 of our show as a refresher. The film opens with white text against a black screen. The following footage was compiled by Russell Wynn of the Wynn Media Group, WMG. (laughs) The footage was collected over a period of two years. The edits and narrative presented are Mr. Wins alone and do not reflect the beliefs of WMG. It's named after you. It is. Yeah. They're yeah. like, this man does not represent. Just him. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, because there are some interesting edits in this and um, like a couple places have like music and stuff. So yeah. it's like he was like, no, we're gonna, <laughs> we're doing this shit. Yeah. And I think that's another issue. I have. <laughs> <laughs> He's like for effect, effect. Yeah. I'm trying to scare the shit out of these people. <laughs> <laughs> but the footage comes up in an empty hotel room. The camera is on the floor, capturing a window in the edge of a bed. Ominous music mounts until the footage gives way to black. I will say again with the WMG and Russell Wynn and everything, mm-hmm. this is helping to answer, and we will get a better answer later, mm-hmm. one of the issues I had with the first film, yeah. yeah, where I was like, how and why? yeah, yeah. And so I do appreciate that at the start. Okay. 
In an interview with Wendy Mallet, played by Laura Frenzer, she emotionally admits that she hasn't seen her son Jackson in over a year. Great name. She says that he and his friends went to the hotel to get a souvenir and no one has seen them since. Text reads, Jackson Mallet went missing on August 5th, 2016. He was last seen breaking into the abandoned Abaddon Hotel. I feel like we don't really need to put Jackson on blast that he was breaking in. No. <laughs> he was last seen entering the hotel. No, but it does make it seem a little like we know he was doing yeah. something he wasn't supposed to and he he's missing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will say even this little part right here, because of the first one, I'm like, oh, I'm already drawn in. I, yeah. I already want to know what's what's going to happen. Yeah. And her performance is good. Yeah. It is. I really like her um emotionality yeah yeah if that's a term (laughs) (laughs) it is now all right (laughs) the emotionalness yeah very good very good emotions yeah (laughs) crying wendy says that every time they're about to let go something strange happens and it rips their hearts out she says that it started with random text messages in the middle of the night when they told the police they found that the texts were coming from inside the hotel well yeah yeah pretty good yeah see this feels like the beginnings of like an urban legend yeah yeah and i like that text reads text messages from jackson mallet october 8th 2016 in response to the text to him that read where are you jackson call me now and hello the reply is simple come to the abaddon hotel they're all in the dining room they have no eyes and they have no eyes repeats again and again and again. Very cool. Yeah. Um, do you think he sent <laughs> the impatient question mark after? He's like, yeah. Hello. <laughs> I have no eyes. I mean, you have nothing to say to that? <laughs> right. Can I get a response? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's pretty, very rude. pretty wild for me to yeah. see this. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy says that her husband watched the video of Jackson lost inside the hotel, but she couldn't sit through it. She says that he had tried to get help through phone and video calls and texts. Text reads, the Mallets would later receive video of Jackson's final pleading moments. We see this video. Jackson Mallet, played by Tom Sibley, frantically pleads to the camera as he wanders through the halls of the hotel. He asks for help to be sent to the Abaddon Hotel because there's no way to get out. Just two things very quickly. The first thing is after seeing Jackson, this does not look like this woman's son. This looks like her husband. Because uh, he's a grown-ass man? Yeah. yeah. I thought he would be a teen. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of shocked to see the casting here. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, if you are receiving all these things as Jackson's parents, mm-hmm. what is what could stop you from going to the Abaddon Hotel? Nothing. Like, you're getting these messages, you're getting these videos, and you're just like, well, this is just what the police showed us. It's like, get your ass. Yeah. I know it's not good to go to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, nothing would stop me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You'd be breaking in just like he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If this and if the text messages that you're still getting are being transmitted from the hotel, if (laughs) sorry, the fact that the police are like, oh no, it's coming from yeah, (laughs) oh we can't do anything about it. I know it sounds bad, but if you if you get those messages and you're like, what do you you are gonna go? Yeah, and then. I don't know if it's like, oh, it's haunted and there's ghosts or whatever. It's like, you know what? Then let's burn it down. Again? That's something. Th- this doesn't need to be here. You took our son. Mm-hmm. And then who are, who else's kids come wandering in here? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's nothing that and, looks, and I, <laughs> we'd I, be over there yes. fast. I will say they allude later to kind of a luring element mm-hmm. to this. And I think that this is 
maybe the best way to get somebody to go somewhere by saying, hey, your kid's in here. And the yeah. fact that it wasn't effective for these people, I didn't realize how like that's yeah kind of ridiculous. They're like, well, wait here. Yeah, She's like, I am here giving an interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they did come from inside. Yeah. Will you go look for him? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> it's scary in there, dude. Yeah. I saw the video. Yeah, he's a ghost now. Yeah. I'm not going over there. <laughs> But Jackson says that he saw them all and that they're still here. The footage begins to cut out as Jackson screams for help. With the voice trembling with fear, he says that they want him to go with them. The footage distorts again as Jackson reveals that they have no eyes. He continues wandering the halls, but freezes when dramatic music begins to play. So mm-hmm. Wynn is like, mm. He's like let's, <laughs> let's mix it up. And this is a pet peeve of mine. He loves the drama. Yeah. I, I don't like it. <laughs> he stands against a wall, but creeps toward the hallway where we can see that a figure is standing in the room behind him, facing him. Look, here's the thing. <laughs> like, why are you laughing? There's there's two things going on. First of all, I really like the visual. Yeah. yeah. Uh this I believe this is one of the guitarists from Ghost. Uh <laughs> clearly this, this nameless ghoul. I think uh the thing that gets me is that whenever you use the camera to peek around a corner, you don't also put your whole body. Yeah. <laughs> it's too so you don't have to. Yeah. But he literally is just like giving his whole back to this ghost. <laughs> you don't? No. What what was that that oh American Werewolf in Paris, mm. where he's peeking, but his whole head was oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what happens next, uh, like the cut from here, is the most surprising thing in the whole film. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, because if if I see a shot of a ghoul behind me with a candle lit, and he's, you know, what happens next is insane. Well, the Jackson screams, and mm-hmm. the footage cuts out. And when it comes back, Jackson is sitting in a corner and crying. He let you go? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he ran. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's still playing. He's just trying to scare you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah, we're waiting. (laughs) He faces that there's no one coming for him. And he breaks down and sobs as he apologizes for ever coming here. He says that he doesn't know where they all came from, but they're all in the dining room. They're all in hell. As a shadowy figure approaches him from behind, the footage scrambles. Just before it cuts out, Jackson says, Mom, I'm sorry. Back in her interview, Wendy says that she got an email from Jackson two weeks later. She cries as she says that she didn't want to open it because it couldn't be from him. But she did open it and watch the video. She breaks down as she admits that she wishes she hadn't. She says it was an empty room and we get a flash of the room we saw earlier. She says she could hear Jackson screaming and then there was piano playing and she knew that she'd heard the tune before. We see the footage. Jackson screams and we hear banging as he pleads for help. Then we hear a very familiar piano begin to play. There's a lot of faces. In this <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I, I have Being something made right now. I have something to say about this, but I'm going to wait until the next scene plays out. Okay. We cut to Morning Mysteries, where Susie McCombs, played by Amanda K. Morales, stands outside of the abandoned hotel. She says that we recognize the tune from the Hell House documentary, but Wendy recognized it from long before that. Here we go. (laughs) We cut to a home video where the Mallet children sit around a table next to a decorated Christmas tree on Christmas night, 1997. 
So I wonder if they went to see an American Werewolf in Paris or Jackie Brown because it came out that night. Oh, yeah. Um, they just got back from Jackie Brown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> well, that might be why they're so pissed off is maybe they saw a Paris. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that werewolf that, was CG, mom. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> mom. <laughs> And the first, it was so practically done. Yeah. <laughs> We're really just disappointed. <laughs> they had Rick Baker. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for bed. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing a game and everything is fine until one of the sisters accuses another of cheating. They're all on edge. <laughs> it's a really bad film. <laughs> this quickly devolves into them screaming at each other until they call out to Wendy behind the camera. She calmly tells them to be quiet because Jackson is sleeping. So I'm just it's just occurring to me that we that Jackson was a grown ass man mm-hmm. on the tape and we're about to see him as a little boy in 97. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's OK. Well, to me, it looks like his, the actors are like two years apart. Right, right. Yeah. That's why I'm so confused because it's <laughs> unless there's something about the Abaddon Hotel that we don't understand. <laughs> he's like, it's got me, mom. It's, <laughs> it's aged me 10 years, mom. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what this hotel can do. Maybe. We, don't, right. yeah, we yeah. don't know. We the, don't know. The fear sunk its claws into me, mom. <laughs> I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> we don't know we anything. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe they explain in the third one. Yeah. <laughs> But they go back to their game of go fish until they hear that familiar piano tune being played. This gets all of their attention and Wendy turns the camera toward the sound, following it down the hallway until she finds her son, a very young Jackson, sitting at the dining room table playing the song on a keyboard. When she calls out to her son, he stops. He raises his head and somberly speaks the words, the hotel opens in 2009. Tell everyone. Wendy is like, what hotel? Suddenly, (laughs) the lights go out and Wendy asks who turned them off. When they come back up, Jackson's hand is resting on the keyboard again, but he's not playing. Wendy gets his attention and he turns to her with an innocent smile. She asks what he was talking about, but he doesn't know what she means and insists that he didn't say anything. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the only the only main issue that I have with this yeah. is in the first film, this tune mm-hmm. was played by Paul. Yeah. It wasn't a part of the hotel. It wasn't anything that happened. It was him fucking around on camera. Yeah. He wasn't possessed. He wasn't anything. He was just trying to joke around with one of the attractions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's not like this, suddenly this is the hotel's theme song now. Yeah. I mean, unless the hotel was working through him or like it was a full circle thing. He wasn't ready yet. He wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> they had just gotten there. It was like the 15 minutes into the film. Yeah. Or maybe the hotel was like, ooh, I, I like that. That's going to be my song. <laughs> Play now. that again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 10 years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I did too, honestly. At the beginning, I was kind of like, I don't understand because, like you said, this wasn't anything attached to the hotel Mm -hmm. so it it for me i will a little bit i was kind of like okay because i get it if we're going back for these characters but again we didn't know about this this wasn't even a song in the first one whenever and they used it to fuck with paul later yeah Yeah. and they played it again and you're like oh that was that's what he was playing yeah and it kind of you know has that thing but uh and even if it's on the tape that wendy saw Mm -hmm. that's fine too 
But the fact that in 97, after they got back from seeing an America Werewolf in Paris, he's up <laughs> yeah. playing this on the thing. Maybe Paul was like, I've never played a piano in my life. I don't know. Like, <laughs> just keep on <laughs> that was weird. You know, honestly, that might work. He's like, where did I get, you know, yeah. something yeah. to where he's like, I, you know. But and the other thing for me is that this to me, uh-huh. this is setting up that this film is going to be about either a Jackson's trip to the Abaddon yes. Hotel yeah. or retrieving Jackson from the Abaddon Hotel. To give him this flashback and this backstory, mm-hmm. he's gonna be really important, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's keep let's <laughs> press on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so back in her present day interview, Wendy says that when she and her husband played it back later on, she heard another voice. The voice sounded like it heard her question and was telling Jackson how to respond. With text that reads enhanced audio playback on the screen, we get just that. We hear Wendy ask again who turned out the lights and a man's voice responds, the Abaddon Hotel. I will say Mm -hmm. I did go back and whenever the lights go out in the original clip, you hear very faintly, the Abaddon Hotel. Ooh. Yeah. And so it is there. But that's it, good. I think it did kind of make me laugh a little bit how clear it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, listen. This is what it is. <laughs> We're not playing a game of telephone. You need to hear what the fuck I said. Man, I don't know why. Maybe it's just about the the year not sounding scary enough, but 2009 is not a scary year. <laughs> yeah. And so for the kid to be like, it opens in the year 2009, you're like, I, I graduated high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's nothing. <laughs> and real quick and i i did enjoy the i did like the idea of the whisper and him being told what to say yes i think for me what kind of hurt it was when they do when she does come to and she's like jackson what'd you say and he's like i didn't say anything he's clearly smiling the (laughs) whole time and it's not a bad thing he just looks really happy Mm -hmm. so it's hard for me to be like that's scary when you just see a happy child (laughs) reciting his lines to the camera (laughs) reciting his (laughs) you know what i mean he's he's saying his lines he's doing fine but he is very happy so not even like menacingly happy yeah he's just like just happy and it's like okay i didn't say anything yeah Yeah. he's like this means nothing yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. but he's like yeah this is what they told me to say and yeah what it is (laughs) (laughs) back in front of the abaddon hotel Susie says that it has had a long history of eerie and unexplained events that were caught on camera she says that even their own cameras were able to catch something spooky when they were rehearsing we cut to this footage Susie being mic'd and checking her framing she clearly notices that her cameraman is distracted and asks him what the frame freezes and we zoom in on what a dark hooded figure standing on the covered porch of the hotel next to the front door. It fades to black. You're that ghoul from Jackson's video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. It's a really uh, Organization 13. It kind of <laughs> looks like Xehanort. <laughs> it, it looks cool, though. It, it does. does look good. And I, I think that for me, this is the subtlety that works. Yeah. Where it's not. And I again, it, that that is kind of the Lake Mungo, what I remember of the film, mm-hmm. yeah. where it's kind of these film stills and photographs that they're like, look at this, yeah, and kind of forcing you in closer. And you're like, oh shit, yeah, that was there, yeah, yeah. and it 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 just works for me. I feel like uh, it's kind of funny that this wasn't something that they saw later on. But that the cameraman is like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I feel like if you see that, wouldn't you be like, uh, sir? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we come back on the opening of Morning Mysteries with Susan McCombs. After the opening theme and graphics dissolve, we see Susie sitting against a bright blue background with three guests seated next to her. She says that it's been two years since the release of the Hell House documentary and many people have questions. The most pertinent is, was it real or just a hoax by all the documentarians to sell the film? We see photos of the crew and the hotel behind her as she speaks. She introduces the panel next to her. First is Arnold Tasselman, played by Brian David Tracy. He worked for the Rockland County Magistrate's Office seven years ago when the Hell House incident occurred. Next is Mitchell Cavanaugh, played by Voss Ellie, the Mitchell Cavanaugh from the first film, who she makes a point to say is allegedly the only survivor. Lastly is Brock Davies, played by Kyle Engelman, a medium who has worked on several nationally covered missing persons cases. Brock thanks her for having him and chuckling says that somehow he knew she'd call. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get the love it deserved. No. no. <laughs> Looking into the cameras, he tells everyone to be sure to check out Brock Davies from Beyond coming next fall to, but Susie interrupts him with a thank you. <laughs> He's doing a lot. Damn. He's always on. <laughs> he is, but come on, let him finish. Yeah. Let him do his plug. I'm sure she would let him at the end. Yeah. Just, that's well, true. Wait. But, well, just get to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing, because you had mentioned this morning as well about Mitchell uh, being in the first film. Right. Yeah. Not played by this actor. His face was kind of cut off in the frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the introduction of the character to where we're bringing him back is very interesting. Yeah. I do think her labeling him as a survivor isn't yeah i guess because he was on the team but he didn't go but, in the house did he yeah the i was hotel? gonna say that doesn't seem accurate because he wasn't part of that core team no that went in. yeah and not even he was on diane's team but he stayed back yeah right? yeah he was editing the tapes so i mean he i don't know it's just maybe it makes him sound cooler in the interview yeah maybe yeah. but i mean what he did alone is cool enough yeah yeah but she starts to get the conversation going and Mitchell interrupts, asking if he can start with a comment and a question. When Susie reluctantly grants him permission, he immediately turns to Arnold and says, you're a dick. <laughs> comment. <laughs> and my question is why? <laughs> great. It's good that he's very cavalier. Yeah. <laughs> After what he's experienced. <laughs> and uh, can we say that on TV? Oh, no. He's going to get in a lot yeah. of trouble. Yeah. Later on, he it's gets even worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he gets in trouble later. The FCC is like, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -mm. yeah. But we cut to Jessica Fox and Molly Reynolds, played by Jillian Gertz and Joyce Schatz, watching the interview at the Brooklyn office of TheInside.com. Jessica excitedly points out the Mitchell Cavanaugh, who she says is the perfect person to get them into the Abaddon Hotel. Molly says that getting in isn't really the problem. It's getting down to the basement. But Jessica says that since Mitchell edited all the Hell House footage together, he would know the hotel inside and out. Molly is visibly hesitant and only offers a maybe. Whenever we cut to this office, mm -hmm. I asked myself, I said, are we supposed to be seeing this? <laughs> like it, because it seems so strange and it, no. it didn't feel like found footage. We learn a little bit later, but then at the same time, it's odd because it's like Russell Wynn is like, no, we need a narrative to be no, we need yeah. to introduce these people. I did think that too. Yeah. For, I was like, wait, where, who are these people? I was like, what do we, are, am I supposed to be here? Or, mm -hmm. But you're right. We do find out later, but I was like, I don't, at the at first, I was like, "What the fuck? What's happening?" It still felt a little odd. Yeah, the 
are we supposed to be seeing this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it just cuts to it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the issues I have with the film is their choice in editing and their handling of chronology. Okay. I get that. I don't mind the back and forth. Um, what is funny to me is the uh, just the thought of him being like, no, let's put them in here <laughs> and moving forward because this what we are watching is supposed to have been done by him. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> like single handedly. Yeah. yeah. Back on the morning mystery set, Mitchell says that Arnold served him with a lawsuit to try to get his film taken down so no one could see it. Susie asks Arnold about this, but Arnold says that he can't discuss the details. What he can say is that Mitchell's fake movie has caused a lot of problems for the town of Abaddon. I forgot that the town was called Abaddon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so did I. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Back at that office, Molly says that the cold cases in old hotels aren't really what they do. They put a state senator in jail nodding jessica quietly offers her a fist bump and molly returns it before continuing that that was a good thing but they're saying that this hotel is haunted jessica's annoyed telling molly that she can't really believe in ghosts she puts her foot down that this is happening and tasks their team with getting a hold of mitchell today and getting him to meet with her she takes out her phone and starts dialing telling molly that she's calling into the show because quote this guy is such a fucking liar Back on the set, Arnold chuckles before saying that what happened with Hell House is a tragedy, but he takes issue with them faking the history of the hotel's owner and the supposed tapes from Hell House. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about it later. <laughs> Let him talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He takes shots at Robert Lyons and accuses Mitchell of setting up a fake scene in a room where he knew that people, but Susie interrupts saying that Arnold is referring to Diane Graves, who was last seen on the video that she took inside the hotel. We see short clips of this video featuring Diane Graves, played by Alice Balky. Arnold confirms that this is what he's talking about, but Mitchell is fed up. He butts in that Diane is dead. Jonathan is dead too, and they both died inside that fucking hotel. The F-bomb is bleeped, and Susie gently asks him to not use that word. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're right. It hasn't been a hotel in years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My fucking back, Susie. I'm sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. <laughs> Arnold rolls his eyes, though, saying that everyone knows that no one died outside of the Halloween malfunction. Mitchell is offended by the word malfunction, saying it's not like a prop fell from the ceiling and killed 15 people. Brock finally pipes up, saying that he, too, would like to know how the police arrived at calling what happened a malfunction. Arnold says that the details of the night still aren't allowed to be discussed publicly. But <laughs> what he can say is that the hotel is completely safe and not responsible for the tragedy or anything that anyone else has th said that happens. <laughs> <laughs> like, so bring your bodies and your souls. Yeah. To <laughs> right this summer. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a grand reopening. Yeah, huh? <laughs> nothing to do with the tragedy or anything yeah, else no, ever. Nothing, yeah. nothing bad ever. <laughs> it's the greatest place on earth. <laughs> it's like, whatever, dude. Why are you shilling for this place? <laughs> Mitchell asks why the town keeps police cars outside to keep people from going in if it's perfectly safe but we cut to footage of Saturday October 7th Mitchell is sitting next to Molly in a car 
They're being filmed from the back seat by David Morris, played by Dusty Austin. David says that they figured out that they have a 10 minute window where they'll be able to sneak inside. Molly is curious why it's guarded so much if they're insisting that there's nothing wrong with it. Mitchell says that there's more to it than just Hell House and Diane Graves. They have two teens from the area that have disappeared now. Molly asks if people really think it's because of the hotel. And Mitchell says that one of the kids streamed himself on Facebook going in. He says that he's sure that Jessica knows all about it. But David says that Jessica doesn't even believe in ghosts. Mitchell says neither did Diane. I expected to learn of one more kid disappearing in Mm. conjunction with Jackson. Well, Jackson's not a teen. Well, he's... Mitchell said two teens disappeared. Jackson was a grown ass man. <laughs> he was, as we've covered. Yeah. But I don't think he was supposed to be. Was he? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All I know is that why are we just abandoning Jackson like everybody else did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's scary in there, dude. But it's really important, and I feel like we should talk about it more if we spend so much time at the top of the film. Well, and if Jackson was visited in '97 by the spirit of the episode. yeah <laughs> yeah but then they're like no there's two separate kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving on yeah it's like this is not about jackson <laughs> back on the set brock wants to clarify for the audience that the people that have gone missing were amateur ghost hunters not trained paranormal investigators Susie's like thank you brock <laughs> <laughs> so here is he are you gonna be my friend dude or if you're mitchell you know looking at brock are you gonna be my friend or are you gonna be a pain in the ass to me because well like he was helping us us (laughs) dude (laughs) he was helping mitchell i really identify with my protagonist (laughs) and the crew crew. (laughs) he was helping mitchell go against arnold yeah yeah but then there are times that it's like it's a little contentious yeah regardless so that would I'm like, all right, cool, you know, friend or whatever. Let's yeah. see what's going on. I think we're united in fuck this guy, but also yeah. I am better and no more than you. <laughs> so, <laughs> that. Yeah, there yeah. Is, it's both. <laughs> but Susie introduces the Facebook Live video for anyone who hasn't seen it. In the video, and a lot of these people have no credits, and I searched high and low, can't find it. These kids actually went missing. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> this is real footage. <laughs> but the guy in the video says that he thinks he can get in without being seen he tells his fans that he loves them very much and as he walks around the side of the house he tells everyone to check out his channel citing other spooky locations that he's visited as he responds to horny comments from a viewer the door on the side of the house opens on its own inviting him inside nope that's it end Mm -hmm. of stream Good night, folks. Uh, yeah. You've seen what I've seen. You've you saw, seen it before exactly. me. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to go home. Yeah. Oh, guys, I can play Layers of Fear. I can. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to be scared? We can do yeah, that. <laughs> that right. I'm scared right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you can definitely do it in a safer venue. <laughs> he backs away for a second, but turns the camera back on his face, assuring his audience that he is not stopping, but they have to admit that it was pretty weird. He props the door open with a big rock and heads inside. He walks around, but when he comes to a small flight of stairs, he sees two legs standing there, the rest of the body out of view. He takes a couple steps closer, revealing a shadowy upper body before stopping and speaking in a flat, emotionless voice. I'm sorry. I'll go now. Instead of leaving, though, he stays there, focused on the legs inhabiting the stairs. 
This is an excellent visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good moment of him just stopping dead in his tracks, his voice going emotionless, like you said. Yeah. yeah. I really like that a lot. I also do want to point out, I'm pretty sure we saw one of those nameless ghouls when he walked in. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. When he goes by, I had to rewind it as well. He does. When he goes by the first time, you catch it for a second. I love that. And then when he comes back around, there's nothing there. Yeah. But yeah, I had to rewind it as well. I was like, oh, that was good. I think this is this is what I'm saying with the subtle. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. Back on the show, Susie says what's strange about that video is that it never cut. It streamed all night in the same position until the battery ran out at dusk. We see this for a second. The view still focused on the legs until the camera cuts out for a split second. And we see the position on the floor in that bedroom again, the window and the bed in view. Susie says that later that day, Cameron, I guess that was the kid's name. All right. His friends and family got the police to check the hotel, but they didn't find anything. There wasn't any trace of him. Arnold jumps in saying that he's sorry, but this video doesn't show that anything happened to Cameron. He turns to Mitchell and accuses him of wanting people to believe that something bad happened so that he can sell more DVDs. He says that Mitchell gave Cameron the idea to sneak onto private property. Mitchell invites Arnold to prove that it's all a hoax, but he says that he can't because there's just too much that can't be explained. He asks where exactly he's supposed to have been hiding Diane all this time. He says that she has family and she wouldn't just abandon them to sell a documentary, which of course not. No. Yeah. And I do at least like that. He said that he's like, then prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Be wrong, dude. I will say, you know, he has precedence, this Tasselman uh, with cannibal Holocaust. Where they forced the cast to go into hiding until they had to come out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know. I guess. So it has happened. But it's been years, right? How long was it for them? Do you know? It wasn't eight years. (laughs) (laughs) Susie asks Arnold, if it's all a hoax, what happened to the people who died on Hell House's opening night? With an answer for everything, Arnold presumes that Alex probably took his own life. Tony was in the basement and probably got killed during the panic to get out during the malfunction. And he says that if Mac were as smart as he claimed to be, he would have taken his own life too to escape the pile of lawsuits for negligent homicide. I, I was in shock. I literally, I, 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 it was the most shocked like laughter I've ever, <laughs> yeah, that has ever burst from me because I couldn't believe what? they let him say this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe that he said it just running down the list of people. Yeah. Uh, And you know what they say, dude? Speak ill of the dead. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Too much, one might say. Yeah. But he says that the smart one was Sarah because she disappeared. Mitchell is angry now, (laughs) saying that Sarah wasn't afraid of lawsuits. She used Diane. When pressed by Susie, he says that all of this goes back to Andrew Tully. Susie identifies Andrew Tully as the owner of the hotel who is accused of performing satanic rituals in the basement and accused of being involved with some of the guest disappearances. I wonder what Arnold Tasselman thinks about Andrew Tully. Well, he's got something to say. (laughs) AT's got something to say. Arnold says that the issue with this mm-hmm. is that Andrew Tully is dead after hanging himself when the hotel closed in the 80s. He says that none of the evil cult activity was ever proven. It just didn't happen. Yeah, and now I'll be honest. It's like, damn, we might have pushed too much because that does sound a little weird hearing somebody else say that. 
He's like, look, the the owner's gone, dude. Do you really want me to believe that? Yeah. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> Hold on now. Like, I didn't say exactly. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's also, it is hard to be like, okay, prove it. And then again, be like, okay, then you prove it. It's like, wait, but we've got to go to the house. Let's go. No, no. No, no, yeah, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not doing that. Yeah, we can't do that. And and what was the guy's name from the first film? Robert Lyons? The, yeah. The guy that was very, like, full character? Yes. Yeah. I liked him a lot. I did, yeah. too. That's another person. Well, I There's no reason for him to be here in the second film. But it would have yeah. been cool. He should have been. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like with what he did, he did all the research on the hotel and found all this stuff. Yeah. It's not like they're conjuring it up out of nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Our, Tasselman's defense is really hilarious. It yeah, is. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Jessica and Molly getting ready to interview Mitchell. Molly has questions about when to ask about the basement and Jessica helps. But once the camera settles on her, she goes into interview mode. She smiles, introducing herself and stating the date as October 7th. She introduces Molly, David and Mitchell. Mitchell asks if they're like Vice or 60 Minutes. And Jessica says that they're similar, but they film every part of their process from start to finish. They're completely transparent. Once they're finished, every bit of footage is released. David co-signs this, saying that Jessica never lets him stop filming. Even when he goes to the bathroom, the camera goes with him. They're interrupted by text on screen that reads, Editor's note, the inside is a blog dedicated to investigate stories that uncover corruption. In 2014, its founder, Jessica Fox, broke a story regarding kickbacks and pay-to-play deals in the New York State Assembly. Several state senators went to jail. We already got a fist bump over this earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, over one of them. Now it says several. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been f- further developments in the yeah. story. <laughs> I will say there was also a shot of leaves on the ground that was very beautiful. It was, mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like um, this is their way of explaining why cameras are running the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I do appreciate as far as an explanation is concerned. Yeah. Um, because there were moments in the first film that it was like, why are we taping this? Yeah. Um, but this makes more sense as far as a journalistic uh, reasoning. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Back in the interview, looking over glossy photos of the original Hell House crew, Jessica says that Tully designed the Abaddon Hotel based on H.H. Holmes's murder house, so it's as hard as possible to find your way out in the middle of the night, but they need to find their way to the basement. Jumping on her cue, Molly asks how Jessica knows what they're looking for is in the basement. Jessica says that everything Tully wanted to keep secret was kept in the basement. She says the proof about the cult activity and all the missing guests will be down there. Mitchell objects that Jessica didn't have any proof when she called into the show, but she knew how to find it and that's why they needed him. A little cagey, Jessica says that this is true, but Mitchell still wants to know how she even knows that the evidence exists. But Jessica knows because of a flipped witness. She says that that's all it took and she has the transcripts of it. She opens a container to get the transcript out, but Mitchell is still confused. He wants to know who flipped them and why nobody knows about it. But Jessica answers easily that it's because once Tully and the followers of his cult died by suicide, everything got dropped. It all disappeared. Finding what she was looking for, she pulls out the file and transcript for Patrick Carmichael. I'm... Literally just now realizing that that's where the name for the new one 
comes from. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it Carmichael something? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) 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 And there's a seed planted later for the third film that's really good too. Yeah. So, I mean, they they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. She explains that he worked at the hotel and was a member of the cult, but he had been arrested on an assault charge, so he wasn't there at the time of the suicide party. Um, Him being in jail because of assault like that's pretty funny yeah <laughs> and they have all these like evil cult-like activities planned and he's like god damn it. <laughs> being bugged yeah. like that's funny oh, you got to sit this out man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well mitchell doesn't really seem still like he's convinced fully or like he wants to go him asking no. questions he seemed very like he i, I don't know i was getting it you know what i mean watching it i did kind of feel a little uneasy myself i'm like well Answers questions though. The yeah, she yeah. is, but it's like I don't know. It's like something, but th- she's answering him in a way where it's not like I get like why you would think that she's just like no, no, no. It's fine because I have this. Yeah, no, no, no. That's fine too because I was told this. Like yeah. everything's like don't even worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> like don't think about it. Just come on. I think again when we're talking about these journalists who are so thorough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I was talking about in the intro. Is why are we not talking to? I believe his name is Martin Cliver. Yeah, yeah. Martin Cliver is the only person that I know of that's gone into the Abaddon Hotel and come out completely to tell the tale, pretty much unfaced. Yeah, he yeah. got his pictures and he got the fuck. He out. did. Yeah. <laughs> and they, with what we're seeing, what they're setting up anyway, is that basically anybody that goes there, that's a done deal. Yeah, all these teens that have gone there, Jackson who went there, the Hellhouse team. But he literally went there alone. Yeah, yeah. And I understand that you can say, well, the hotel wanted you to yeah. spread the word. Yeah. Get out, bring more people here. But shouldn't we still talk to him? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Especially since he photographed the stairs of the basement and they're trying to find the basement. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know. He knows his he literally knows his way around probably better than anyone that's alive right now. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. They should have brought him back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she hands the paper over to Mitchell and points out the relevant information of Tully keeping photos and video footage in the fridges. She assumes that that was perceived to only be the kitchen fridges and that's all that was searched. Mitchell says that with all due respect, he thinks that the idea of them searching the kitchen fridges but not the one in the basement is a ridiculous theory. For just a moment, we get footage from the first film of Andrew McNamara, a.k.a. Mac, played by Adam Schneider, letting himself into the basement fridge. To counter that, Jessica says that they are dealing with police that haven't been able to solve a string of disappearances that all happened in the same place. Molly nervously recaps the plan. They go into the basement, search the fridge, and find the evidence. Jessica says that she doesn't believe in ghosts, but she doesn't want to put anyone at risk. She vows that they will be in and out in an hour tops. And if Mitchell goes with them, it'll be even faster because he knows the hotel better than anyone. Not true. (laughs) If you really want to get in and out like a demon's whisper, you're going to have to get Cliver. Yeah. Yeah. Like a demon's whisper. (laughs) (laughs) Mitchell is taken aback by this and wants to make sure that they know the hotel is a really fucked up place to break into. Jessica assures him that she does know that, but that the evidence is there. It has to be. She says that if they find it, they could finally find out what happened to Diane, which is kind of fucked up and manipulative because you know that that's what's going to get him to do it. It is. And I will say, the more I'm thinking about it, Cliver's explanation. (laughs) He literally says in in his interview, he goes, yeah, and I found a window and some boards, just kicked him out and climbed (laughs) (laughs) Climbed in. It's like, dude, you just... (laughs) 
<laughs> it was that simple? Is that the trick? Coming through a window, uh, not the door, yeah. Yeah. and if you're fine. Was, they're not expecting yeah. you. That was yeah. <laughs> after the Hell House tragedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so again, I'm just like, what? He's like, I really don't know what the big fucking deal is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we see a flash of Diane sitting in front of a brick wall and getting ready to be recorded. Jessica asks, don't you want to know? This is clearly getting through to Mitchell, who squirms uncomfortably in his seat when Jessica tells him that they can't do it without him. We see Diane sitting with her back to the door in a room in the Abaddon Hotel. She faces the window as the door slowly opens. Mitchell suddenly asks David to turn the camera off, and after checking with Jessica to get permission, he does. I thought that was a shot of Sarah on the bed. I thought it was Diane. That's he's, what I thought. He's thinking of Diane. We shouldn't be seeing his thoughts. No. <laughs> no. I guess that's true. <laughs> when is like, no, this is getting to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me spice this in. Yeah, we need to have the emotional weight of what's going that's on hilarious. in Mitchell's mind right now. <laughs> that's hilarious. Because <laughs> I didn't even question it. <laughs> Back on Morning Mysteries, Susie says that she wants to share with us some of the stranger instances that have been recorded since the Hell House documentary aired, referring to the term that people are using for it, the Hell House fallout. Arnold is like, people really believe this stuff is, <laughs> is real? <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a little heavy on this. Yeah. A little heavy handed. He's a denier for sure. <laughs> Susie admits that nothing exactly has been proven either way. Brock says that as long as the hotel is emitting kinetic spiritual energy, people are going to keep being drawn to it. He says that's why someone like him is invaluable to the investigation. He's like me. He's yeah. <laughs> Simply put, he needs to have access to the hotel and he needs to be allowed in. Kind of dismissing this, Susie introduces the footage. I don't know why Brock was invited at all because nobody seems to give a fuck about anything he's saying yeah that's what i'm saying it, it's it i don't understand what are you here for yeah i get the plug at the beginning was a little much like yeah. wait but he is i would say an important perspective to have in all of this yeah and every time he talks they're like so anyway we have footage of it's like dude <laughs> why, why did you invite him i think he pissed her off at the beginning yeah <laughs> But we cut to warning text, cautioning that the following videos might be too disturbing for some audiences. Then we go straight to the first video, captured May 7th, 2015. Another guy, I guess this is another teen. Yes. Again, no credit. Mm. But he stands at the fence outside of the hotel. He tells someone named Ben that the challenge is accepted before letting himself in. Scanning the grounds, he says that there are no cops, but he is startled when the door to the hotel is wide open. Still, he lets himself in, looking around at the darkness inside, pausing on words painted on the wall and a grinning skull on the floor. I will admit the skull was blurry at first, and I was like, oh, he's dead already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, it's still the haunt. Yeah. yeah. You know? That's what's so cool, especially later on when they're running around in there. Um, that the hell house stuff is still set up 
Yeah. I did want to call out. We did talk about it on the first episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but Angela Moyer, who runs the Waldorf Estate of Fear, mm-hmm. I believe was also the set designer for this film, too. I love oh, that. Yeah. And so they had, and it's a lot of work when you think about it, of having to set this place up to look like it did as a hotel. Yeah. As it did for the Haunt of Hell House LLC. Yes. As it has to look eight years later. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work and it, it, each one looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what the dare is, but I think one foot in, hey, and then lift the other one off the ground and then go back out <laughs> in the doorway. I mean, I was in and out. Yeah, you were. I literally w- had one foot. I was in. I'm gone. Done. I don't need to go all the way inside. And again, when the door is inviting you. Yeah. No, no. That's twice yeah. now. Mm-mm. And you had to have seen the other the other boys live stream. Yeah. <laughs> no <boy>. shit. <laughs> <laughs> After that. There's no way in hell. No. No. But he steps into the kitchen and announces that that's far enough and that the challenge is completed. He turns to come back the way he came, warning Ben that he better pay up. But just as he comes close to the front door, lingering on a painting of a sad blonde girl, a door slams behind him. He turns in the direction of the sound and suddenly hears a woman's voice. I haven't seen Paul in a few days. Is he okay? There is no pausing. There is no turning around. One of two things. Somebody is staying here and I'm in their territory Mm -hmm. or that's a literal ghost slamming doors. Either way, I have no more fucking business here. Yeah. No, and it's the voice is very clear. Yes. And I think we've reached our limit. Yeah. Uh, What's his name? Ben that we're doing this there for? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He better be satisfied with what this is. Yeah. I better get that 20 bucks crisp and clean. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever it was. Whatever yeah. it was. Maybe it was a 50? Whatever Something. it was. He looks through the windows of the kitchen again, scanning quietly. But when he sees a grinning skull looking back at him from behind a metal rack, he gets the shit scared out of him and turns and runs to the open front door. Did that boy make it out alive? I don't know. He may have. Yeah. He was running to the front door when it cut off. Because they said two two teens missing. Yeah. But they showed the door open and him running towards it. Well, then maybe Jackson was the teen. All right. I mean, kind of. Well, I mean, unless the door closed and we didn't see it. I don't know. But, but I feel like they would have shown that and he'd yeah, be like, help! Yeah. The, 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 that wasn't even a live stream. No, it wasn't. It was yeah, literally right. found footage. Yeah. Yeah, so. He's been wandering for 10 years, Mom. <laughs> 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 the hotel's aged me, Mom. <laughs> But in the next video, Nate, who again has no credit, is driving and speaking to the camera on September 30th, 2016. He says that they just came from a fashion show, which is disappointing because they traveled so far just to see a thrift shop when he was expecting high-end fashion. Yeah, you can find a lot at the thrift shop. Yeah, yeah, you can. It was funny to me, just like the way things are written sometimes, because like, I would be like, we came all the way from San Angelo to see this. Yeah. But he was like, we came all we came all this way. Like it was, it, the way he said it was like weird. We drove all that distance or however he said it. I was like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> a little weird. But <laughs> I don't think you drove. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a way to say it. I think you're lying about the fashion show. <laughs> but his boyfriend, Adam, again, no credit, holding the camera in the passenger seat, interrupts and points toward the road, asking if that girl is hitchhiking. He points out how shitty it is outside and insists that they stop to pick her up. 
Nate does, slowing to a stop and asking the woman standing straight and still on the side of the road if she needs a ride. She nods in response, and just as Nate turns to Adam to ask if this is really a good idea, she lets herself into the back seat. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Asking if she needs a ride and her giving that silent nod. Yeah. Click. Click. Yeah. <laughs> That's so nope. No, I'm sorry. That was too scary. Your response well, you, was too scary. Dude, you see her run towards the car and, and there's no noise. No. Yeah. Oh, oh you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. 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 Right. Damn, you hit the button. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, let me in. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. You, sorry, I made yeah. a mistake. <laughs> I thought you were I mean, someone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were fucking terrified. <laughs> yeah, just take off. Sorry. Fuck that. I'll, I'll call someone for you, dude. Yeah. And it wasn't too bad outside. <laughs> yeah, no. It was kind of nice, right. actually. It was a crisp yeah. autumn day. Yeah. Right. The sun was coming up. Yeah. You all be fine. We all yeah. saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Adam is still warm, though, asking where the woman is headed. She answers in a monotone voice, the Abaddon Hotel. Again, now, this is 2016. Mm -hmm. Nate mentions that the hotel has been closed down for years now, so he's heard of it. Yeah. You got to know all the weirdness surrounding this place. The fact that she said that, I'd be like, get the Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Could you, get the fuck out of yeah. my car. <laughs> Could you imagine if she's really a real person? <laughs> and she's like, oh, great. What if she's going to purchase the Abaddon Hotel? <laughs> and you're like, where are you going? The Abaddon Hotel. Get the fuck yeah. out of my car. <laughs> but even, the, even as it is right now, what happens if you do that now? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Do, <laughs> do you have to complete the ride or do you i don't know i don't know the rules yeah it's like that urban legend where she leaves her sweater and then he returns it and they're like she's been dead for 50 yeah. years <laughs> <laughs> but when nate does mention that the hotel's been closed down she replies in that same flat voice that she's checked in already he asks when she checked in and she replies october 8th nate's like it's september 30th But Adam advises that they just get her home. Turning to the woman, he says that she looks a little pale and asks if she needs some water. She doesn't answer at all. And Nate tries to laugh it off, saying that she's not very talkative, but he wouldn't be either if he was stuck on the side of the road in the cold. They finally reach the Abaddon Hotel, which they remark is completely boarded up. Adam asks again if this is where she really wanted to be dropped off, but she gets out without another word. The men are immediately worried, sure that she needs help because the place is boarded up and they can't know where she... Here's the thing. I'm sorry. (laughs) They're so much nicer than me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd be like, she's a grown woman. That is her business. If Mm -hmm. she wants to skulk around this fucking haunted ass boarded up building. That's her prerogative. Mm -hmm. She needed a ride. I gave her a ride. Have a nice... Exist, whatever you are yeah <laughs> look here's have the a thing. nice life nice yeah. afterlife whatever's going on when she gets out of the car adam goes please don't get out of the car yeah let her go that's yeah. what i'm saying he they're being so kind yeah that that was my thing i love you with every fiber <laughs> of me please do not run after a ghost oh me? Not, yeah i'm nah. just saying even but, if you're like you want i know you want to help and you're very kind and you like trying to help everybody and thank and, you I get it, but this, the no. ghost, no, let the ghost run away. But one thing I will say is if you do decide to run after this ghost, mm. keep filming. 
<laughs> well, no, yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> she disappears inside the hotel, and Nate and Adam follow, concerned for her safety. They continue to call out to her, but she is nowhere to be seen when they wander the halls, promising that they only want to help her. When they peer down the stairs to the basement, which again, they found very quickly. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> And Jessica's like, how are we going to find this place? Yeah. It's like, just walk in, I think. Yeah, they turn two corners. <laughs> yeah, take a right. <laughs> Climber's like, just kick the boards yeah. down. You know. You're there. Walk in, take a fright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they get a glimpse of her walking further in. Nate says that he doesn't want to be here anymore, but Adam is hell-bent on helping. He goes down the stairs, still trying to talk to her and reassure her, but when he turns the corner and sees the hitchhiker standing in the darkness under the low ceiling, he stops. Her eyes are completely white and her face is dark and gaunt. Finally getting the hint, Adam yells back to Nate to go and they both run up the stairs. Text on screen reads... Of the 15 people that died in the Hell House tragedy, seven bodies were never recovered. Among those seven was 18-year-old Savannah Collins. We see a black and white photo of Savannah, the hitchhiker that Nate and Adam picked up on the side of the road. The text continues that it's rumored that she hitchhiked to Hell House's opening night. We see a still of the video, Savannah standing outside of Nate's window. We see another still of her standing in the dark basement with her scary face. They put the black and white photo side by side next to this image and it fades to black. I will say, despite them misspelling the word hitchhiked, I think I know. that this... <laughs> <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I think that... I was like... <laughs> Russell Wynn, we don't... Yeah. You know, he, he made was a mistake. Hurry, dude, he, he was scared. really... Yeah. You see that gif of Kermit typing? <laughs> um, That's how I feel doing these scripts sometimes. Dude, no shit. Because <laughs> reading back, I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> I will say that this is one of the most successful moments in the film for me. All right, because I really enjoyed this little story here. Yes. I did too. I was like, that's fucking creepy as shit. Yeah. And then with the side by side picture, I was like, I, I was like, that's great. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. It was a real chef's kiss for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell and yeah. From beginning, from the start. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, honestly, the reveal of her face in the basement, I was, I literally, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. It got me. It yeah. was good. It was really good. And there's another moment that comes up later that is just as good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I really wanted to highlight this because it feels like a little, a mini little urban legend. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it's the most successful of all of these little flashbacks. Videos. Yeah. 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 And, for me, this entire thing, this is proof. Yeah. More than mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Can't we, like, I don't care what Tasselman's saying. Yeah. This should be the evidence of saying, hey, th- there are spirits here. Yeah. Yeah. This th- this is what you mush in Tasselman's face when yes. he's like, there hasn't, nothing's been proven. <laughs> like the, the cassette tape or the DVD? Is it? All of it. Either yeah. Way, every yeah. piece of it. We Just, got mm. three people here to do yeah. it. All yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easily. <laughs> But Mitchell, Jessica, Molly, and David sit at a table in a bar with the camera, of course, pointed at them. Molly explains that she used to hate tattoos, but now since she's dating David, who has full sleeves, she's okay with them. David jokes that the town from Footloose is real, and that's where Molly's from. He goes on that when he went to meet her parents, she grabbed him and warned him not to dance. They all laugh, but Molly's like, I didn't say not to dance. It was, it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't say not to dance. I said, don't be weird. She says he can always be weird in front of her, but not them. 
Russell's like, leave this in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's very important to to show that, especially <laughs> the dynamics. When, yes. Yeah. yeah. When we get into the house, it's like, oh, that's why you know they care so much about where the other one is. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just kind of funny. But I I love the <laughs> thought was. of this man being cognizant of this as he's editing this together and being like, no, we need to establish before they get there. Yeah. <laughs> before before yeah. they even get there, we need to establish. <laughs> They care about each other yeah. quite a bit. Maybe maybe we'll show them dancing. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Yeah, actually, uh, show them dancing the entire scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> but suddenly, David is overcome with a bout of weirdness, and the couple decides to take it to the dance floor. Jessica, who I noticed is drinking water while everybody else is drinking beer, hmm. moves to sit across from Mitchell once they're gone. Mitchell looks after the couple and they sit in silence for a moment before Jessica asks if he's okay because he looks sad. He assures her that he's fine and quickly changes the subject, asking what she's hoping to get out of all of this. Is she trying to get her company on the map? Jessica says that her company is already on the map, but if she's being honest, this is just the most interesting thing that's come across her desk in a long time. She asks him what he really thinks happened to Sarah Havel because he can't really think that he interviewed a dead girl. That's something that honestly should come up more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Mitchell was there. He was there. Yeah. He met Sarah. Yeah. Who has who was a ghost. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> that's proven as well. Uh she was straight up a ghost. Yeah. yeah. And again, <laughs> when we're talking about characters that should be here, yeah. yeah. She needs to be in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is Sarah's ghost? Yeah. I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. We get a flash from the first film of Sarah Havel, played by Ryan Jennifer Jones, before Mitchell defers. <laughs> Again, Wynn's like, no, we need to remind everybody. <laughs> 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 now they're thinking of Sarah. Put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he asks to answer that question some other time when the camera isn't on. Jessica offers to turn it off, but Mitchell deflects, saying that then they'll miss David and Molly dancing. Jessica laughs and changes the subject again, wondering what he thinks about Brock Davies coming with them. And why, why, why can't he answer it now? Yeah, he's like, it's all a hoax. We we faked everything. Yeah, <laughs> turn the camera off. <laughs> Don't tell Arnold Tasselman. <laughs> he was right. He was right. He was right to sue me. <laughs> that regular ass dude was right. <laughs> but Mitchell admits that he's not thrilled by the idea and asks how he even knows about it when he specifically told him after the talk show that he would never go back to the Abaddon. Jessica says that he just knows things, but Mitchell asserts that it's a bad idea. Jessica insists that she told Brock that and invites Mitchell to guess how Brock responded. Mitchell guesses, if you're looking for the secrets that only ghosts keep, you need Brock Davies. Jessica says that he's right. So I guess that's his tagline. Yeah. (laughs) It's a pretty good tagline. It's good. Mitchell insists that she look at him when he says this. He doesn't think that she or Brock understand that this is really dangerous. They actually need to be in and out and they don't have time for Brock to be filming extra stuff for his new reality show. I feel like even if I didn't believe a warning in the way he looks and he's telling her, Mm -hmm. I would be uh, bothered. I would be like, okay, I'd be uneasy. All right, maybe something is scaring him that much, I should be worried. 
it's for me the fact that she's like we need you we need you you know better than anybody and then he's like this is dangerous and she's like nah you don't know anything yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, what? he's like what? You, you know your way around that's yeah. all yeah that's i didn't all. ask for fucking anything else mitchell the man who's interviewed a ghost and also his <laughs> yeah his producer or whatever his host has disappeared yeah but jessica agrees and says that she told brock that Mitchell asks if she believes and to his disappointment, she says that she needs to see things to believe them. And again, in Mitchell's defense, he saw an interview to ghost. Yes. He yeah. Did. Mitchell says sincerely that he hopes that she's still a skeptic at the end of all of this. Molly and David return announcing that they've moved on to shots and the footage fades out. It is now Sunday, October 8th. The footage takes us along in the car, looking out the window on the way to the Abaddon hotel. They gather in a field close to the hotel, Jessica checking with David, who's behind the camera, and making sure that he's good on battery and cards. David asks Mitchell what the likelihood is of them actually being able to get in through the back, but Mitchell says that that's the best way in and he knows how to get to everywhere from there. He says that he'll break the back door down before he tries to get in another way. Molly nervously asks if no one will be able to see them if they go in through the back, and Mitchell and Jessica confirm this. Molly's uneasiness is on full display and Jessica asks if she's okay. Molly admits that she doesn't even like going to Halloween haunted houses, let alone one that's been abandoned for seven years. Mitchell points out that if she's uncomfortable right now, how's she going to be inside? Molly tries to reassure them that she'll be okay, but she can't even get this out without stuttering. (laughs) Jessica says that someone needs to stay outside and when Molly tries to protest, Jessica insists that someone really does need to be out here in case the cops come. They need her out here. Mitchell says that it's 8.15 and they need to go now before the next shift comes. Jessica quickly tells Molly that it will be fine and that they'll have their walkies before following Mitchell across the field. David assures his girlfriend that they will be okay and that they'll only be gone for an hour tops and then they'll be right back out to her. Mitchell tells David to come on and David finally follows, getting one last shot of Molly who tells him to be careful before they head across the field. Wouldn't you give a time? Yeah. Like to, if we're not out by yeah, X. I, yeah. I was thinking two hours and I was like, no, give us just 30 extra minutes. If nobody has come after the, the hour's up, 30 minutes later, nobody's, I don't care go what tell we those say. Cops. Yeah, go find the police. You know what the smart thing to do would be is to, I know that you can be seen very easily yeah, and you need to kind of sneak in, but shouldn't you have somebody watching the door? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The actual door. Yeah. What is she going to do in the fucking field across from like what? I don't understand so why like, this uh, is The cops position. are about 15 minutes away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can't do shit. Yeah. You're not helping us. Why are you here? Go home. She was too scared well, to go yeah. in. They had to. It's like when like your three-year-old's helping you cook and you're like you rinse this keep rinsing it you know what i mean uh-huh. it's you clean, stay we mom. need to yeah. no keep rinsing it <laughs> it's very important yeah. but you know what i mean yeah but i mean the thing is is that especially and that's i'm a little pissed off at michelle honestly yeah because he he has the wherewithal to say this place is dangerous yeah, yeah. but not it's almost like the room in 1408 yeah yeah we we have a cleaning crew go in two at a time mm-hmm. one guarding the door yeah you know okay, you're yeah. right because we know this place fucking eats people yeah <laughs> <laughs> as long as the door's open yes yeah there's good. a way out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just kick a window open i guess yeah. <laughs> i heard that works. I heard yeah. that works really well 
Back outside, they approach the Abaddon Hotel. They squeeze in through the broken fence and onto the property. Pointing at a Hell House sign damaged and abandoned in the grass, Mitchell says that this is the door where everyone fled out. He approaches it and Jessica points out that there's no lock. David asks how they're going to get in, but when Mitchell tries the door, it just opens. No one was expecting that. No, and you shouldn't. No. That's, again, huge red flag. Yeah. But from behind them, a voice remarks that it makes sense. The group turns to see Brock Davies, followed by his own cameraman, Malcolm, played by Joe Bandelli. I just wanted to talk about Joe Bandelli really quick because he is a producer. Um, he did the produce the first one as well. Oh, okay. And he played a role I know in the first one. Obviously, in this one, he's Malcolm, the yeah, cameraman. Yeah. But in both films, he plays that black and white clown. Oh, that's amazing. The super oh, creepy yeah. one. Isn't that cool? <laughs> But Mitchell remarks that he thought Brock was a no-show, but Brock assures them that he wouldn't miss this for anything. He introduces Malcolm to the group as his all-in-one cameraman and tech department. Jessica asks what exactly makes sense, and Brock clarifies the door being open. Staring directly into his own camera, he remarks cryptically, they knew we were coming. I love the confidence. Let's be a little worried. I know. <laughs> yeah, just a tad, tad bit. <laughs> It's great for TV. But yeah. I And I, the two things I thought is, well, simultaneously. Yeah. One, Brock's not making it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very clearly. Bye, Brock. <laughs> and two, we will be avoiding Brock for the yeah. rest of this. Yeah. But I will say that it is an interesting angle because you see you have people that would want to investigate as they're doing. Yeah. And people who would want to use this for their own gain. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So I like seeing both. Pausing before going inside, Jessica asks Mitchell if this is safe, despite the 50 times he to he's told her that it's not. Mitchell says that she knows everything about this hotel that he does, and this door being open doesn't change anything for him. Brock offers that it's a good sign. The hotel wants to be heard, and it knows that he can help. Mitchell tells everyone to head in, and they do, one by one. Brock and Malcolm are last, and Brock turns to him, telling him not to stop rolling. And Mitchell does prop the door open. He does. So there's something. Yeah. But the group heads inside the Abaddon Hotel, David mimicking under his breath that the hotel wants to be heard. <laughs> Jessica tells him to shut up, but she can't help but laugh herself. Jarringly, we cut to Jessica sitting in an interrogation room, her hair mussed and her face bloody. A tear rolls down her cheek as she catches her breath and stares into nothing. Text on screen tells us that this is Thursday, October 12th. She looks around the room wordlessly until an off-screen officer asks her permission to record the conversation. She nods and starts to break down in tears. The officer asks if she remembers anything and how she came to be walking on the side of the road tonight. She shakes her head. He asks if she remembers anything from the last few days and she shakes her head again. The officer informs her that she's been missing for the last five days and if she can remember anything that happened since last Sunday. This sends Jessica into hysterics. She breathes heavily until she buries her head in her hands and screams. So for me, mm -hmm. of course, it adds intrigue to show moments like this in the future. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like, why why didn't we start the film here? Okay. It, it kind of is more in line with the first one right. to do that. But at the same time, I feel like I don't mind jumping around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel like let's start at the furthest point in the future. And then we'll take it back. 
Okay. That's fair. Well, yeah. we had to start with Jackson's very important story. Who we will see again? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, because even if, because we'll say, because it was, Jackson's story was a part of the Morning Mysteries yeah. podcast. Yeah. So we'll start with Jessica at the police station. Then we'll go back to where it began for this group. Yeah. On the Morning Mysteries. Yeah. Then we'll go through that. And then we'll take us through with the this yeah yeah the haunt the place the house (laughs) (laughs) the hotel yes (laughs) but we go back to the abaddon as the team makes its way through the first floor we get an editor's note the following footage is highly disturbing and completely unexplainable the group reaches the kitchen with its racks of wine bottles and mitchell informs the group that this is where they split up the fastest way to the dining room where Brock wants to go is to the left, and the fastest way to the basement where they need to get is to the right. Brock accepts this immediately, telling the camera dramatically that they're going to go that way. I was like, dude, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm starts to follow Brock, but he stops. He warns the other group that if they hear any sounds, just ignore them. He's got a feeling that this hotel is going to be very responsive to them. Mitchell's like, whatever, good luck. He offers a piece of advice not to fuck around in there because he still doesn't know what happened to Diane. But pointing at the camera, Brock says that he's sure he's going to find that out. He and Malcolm depart. In Brock's defense, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But let him go. That's fine. (laughs) You guys do your thing. Go do your thing. Yeah. Mitchell is visibly annoyed as he, Jessica, and David head in the other direction. They head further into the kitchen with Mitchell in the lead, advising them to watch their step when they hear glass crash. Jessica rationalizes that the place is a mess because everyone left in a hurry. They go through a door and come to a hallway that we saw in some of the amateur footage earlier. We can see the message scrawled on the wall clearly, Est Aperta Porta. In Latin, the door is open. Oh, that's not good. Well, no, actually, that's great. Let's leave it open. Yeah. yeah. You mean the back door? Yeah. Awesome. Which yeah. door? Awesome. Yeah. Jessica asks what it means, and Mitchell says that porta means door, but he doesn't know the rest. Jessica follows him down the hall, saying that she doesn't remember that being there in the documentary. David lingers on the message, asking if they're really not going to talk about this, but Mitchell and Jessica have already found something else horrific. There's a smear of blood on the wooden floor. David asks what the fuck it is, and looking up at Mitchell, Jessica gently offers, Sarah? Mitchell nods wordlessly. We see Sarah in a flash, lying on her back, her face covered in blood. Mitchell insists that they keep moving. This was part of Cliver's photos where they determined that it wasn't a malfunction. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know that these journalists should be surprised to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mitchell wasn't. No, but David and yeah, Jessica should've. were like, what the yeah. fuck? I don't think David did any homework. What? I think David just What happened here? Yeah. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> but on the coup, I'd probably, even if, if I knew it was there, would be a little scared. Yeah. Because it's already creepy as fucking here. And then be like, oh, oh God, it's just you. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, well, that's where they yeah, did Sarah in. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's where they got Sarah. Yeah. Back with Brock, he snidely admits to the camera that for a haunted house company, nothing about this tour seems especially spectacular. I was like, that was catty. Is that necessary? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Malcolm says that he heard it was a killer haunt. And Brock asks how long he's been waiting to say that. Malcolm says that he had to wait to get it on camera. (laughs) 
I was like, so that's me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Malcolm's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, they arrive at the dining room. Brock announcing that this is where it all went down. The room is in disarray, but still has the bodies sitting around that the haunt crew had set up. Brock says that this is where Andrew Tully and his followers died. He asks, isn't that right, Tully? He continues to ask questions, asking if this is where it happened. Malcolm swings the camera around the room to reveal nooses hanging from the ceiling that were not there just a moment ago. Nope. And like, I don't, I don't understand Brock's reaction. He's like, clever girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is horrifying. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That we've clearly made a giant mistake. Yes. We need to go. Is that door still open? Yeah. The place of Porta, whatever. Yeah. Clever girl. He does, though. He's very, like, pleased by it. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm reacts to the nooses and Brock admits that it's unsettling asking if those were there a moment ago Malcolm doesn't think so and again neither do I no not there Brock presumes that it's time to get to work the other crew finally reaches the stairs to the basement Jessica tells David to go first because his light is the best David is appalled at this but accepts and heads down first reporting that it smells like shit down there Once in the basement, David's camera picks up the clowns propped against the wall, including that really creepy black and white one from the first movie. Yeah. In front of a pentagram drawn on the wall in chalk are wrist restraints hanging from the ceiling. Jessica inspects one and David asks if she can imagine being tied up down here all day. She admits quietly, no. David is ready to move on. I I, and two, I know they said that about his light, but when they get down there, his light... Their flashlights seem like they're doing a better job. <laughs> they're like, no, David, you go. Yeah. You heard. Yeah. Well, because we don't. Because we're on this side. Your yeah. smile lights up the room. <laughs> we tell you that all the time. <laughs> I um did again the connections to the first film. Yeah, that's where Melissa was in the basement. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, and then of course, I mean, the clowns as they of are. Of course. Uh, and I was glad to see them again because they were probably the creepiest part of the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've kind of become iconic in their own way. Yeah. But the camera falls upon the clowns again, and Mitchell tells them to not look at them and ignore them. He leads them to the fridge. Once inside, David remarks, whoa, mother load, at the multiple boxes inside. Mitchell wonders why they would bring all this from the city, but David reasons that you have to keep your shit somewhere. I was like, yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. But it is weird for Tully to be like, just put it in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to be finished and out of here. Mitchell tells everyone to grab a box and start digging. I don't know why we wouldn't just take the boxes Mm -hmm. upstairs. Or outside. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, we don't have to do this here. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. I didn't realize in my, the next thing I wrote was why they can just grab the boxes and leave. I don't know. (laughs) I put, but okay, grab a spine and get cracking. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica tells them again not to stop filming and to just set the camera down somewhere. David complies, muttering famous last words. David's whole vibe is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate every word. (laughs) Yeah. Brock sits at a table in the dining room, formally telling his audience that they're here because this is the room where Tully and his cult all died by suicide nearly 30 years ago. 
Malcolm scans over the dummies set up in the nearby tables as Brock explains that the strongest spot for spiritual energy is usually where the dead last had contact with the living world. He indicates his planchette in front of him, saying that this is how he'll make contact with the unseen presences. He draws a Y to the left of the planchette and an N to the right. He calls out to Andrew Tully by name, assuring him that this is his house and they're merely guests who want to ask questions. He asks if Tully is here now. Every part of this performance is very fun. Yes. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. I will say, and I meant to say this earlier, but I would not trust any of these body-shaped things in this. Not at all. (laughs) No. Hell no. Not even a little bit. The second they came in, I was like, this is a real issue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was The same. As soon as they walked in, I noticed all the bodies. I was like, I don't know if they're fake or if they are ghosts just being still. (laughs) But Seriously, (laughs) we we are going to need to do an inventory real quick. Yeah. Yeah. We got these nooses popping up out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. One of these bodies bodies has to be absolutely but what happens well (laughs) (laughs) he asks if tully is here now and the planchette slides over to the inn and brock remarks that it's not tully then he asks if he's part of the group the answer is no again brock asks if it's a member of hell house or someone who's gone missing here the answer remains no and brock accuses the spirit of lying to him i appreciated that yeah because honestly the fact that you asked if tully was there and they said no and he's like all right let's move on yeah Yeah. (laughs) it could be it could be yeah so thank you well the answer stays no oh very bold though yeah Yeah, i wouldn't yeah no malcolm glides the camera over to the dummies again but this time one that had its face turned away is staring back at him Brock asks if the spirit has anything to do with the disappearance of Diane Graves, Jackson Mallet, or anyone from Hell House. We hear the planchette scrape across the table, and when Malcolm's camera settles back on it, it's firmly on the Y. He cautions Brock to settle down a little bit. (laughs) But Brock isn't trying to hear it. He asks the spirit if it intends to do any harm to anyone in the hotel. The planchette stays on the Y. Brock starts to ask another question, but they're both startled when they see that same dummy standing up next to her seat. There's a bloody circle in the center of her long white gown, and she stares at them with no expression on her face. Brock puts his hands up, promising the spirit that they're leaving and they don't want anything else. He tells Malcolm to run, and they both do, fleeing from the room and into the adjoining hallway and running straight into the woman that they were running away from. The footage freezes on her face, zooming in quickly on her eyes before cutting to black. Now, we were talking, and this is so like minor and nitpicky, but we were talking earlier before we started, and that last little zoom was too much. It was. It was. <laughs> everything was going so it was great. good. The scene, the him asking, them being there, the, the head turning, then her getting up, then... All of that, but yeah, that last little. <laughs> yeah. like, no, I don't. We didn't need that. It's a bird now. Yeah. <laughs> Come. yeah. I, I think for me, what I liked is when the camera does the pan. Yeah. And back, and you see the head turn. Mm-hmm. I would have liked it if Brock just continued, mm-hmm. and that's where it ends. I don't. I don't think we need to even see the ghost girl standing. Okay. Yeah. If we stop it there, you're like, oh, shit's going down here. 
and you can leave it to happen off camera. Yeah. I think that's more effective. Well, okay. I, I don't necessarily mind it, but I, that probably would have been scarier because we already had that establishing shot of them and then him panning back around was really brilliant. Yeah. Um, it would have worked. We really didn't need to see anything and then maybe we just see the aftermath later. And that would have been more okay. shocking. Yeah. Because now we're like, oh, they've run afoul. They're done. Yeah. <laughs> They're fucked. <laughs> we do get an editor's note. The Wynn Media Group has not verified the identity of this and other anomalies found on the recovered video. Brock Davies and Malcolm Fletcher remain missing to this day. We get footage over Brock's shoulder again, the woman peering back at him from next to the table. All right, this is where I have an issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they show her in the last shot of this little section of the editor's note. Yeah. Her standing up is the shot that we see. Before they're like, oh, we're sorry, we're leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, but they presented in a way of, did you guys notice this? Yeah. Of course we yeah, did. Yeah, we did. Because <laughs> we, we just saw much worse happen right after. Yeah. yeah. So why don't you show the demon face or whatever? Like you're, you're I don't, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, we saw much worse a second later. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. Maybe they were like, that was too scary. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. But, if but you guys. froze it for like 15 seconds. Yeah. Did, yeah. And then zoomed in one more yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the way I I took it was more like, look, he he fucked around and they found out. He found oh, out. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. But <laughs> back in the fridge, David sets the camera up and the sleuths start sleuthing. Jessica finds blueprints of the hotel's layout. Opening a weathered box, David confirms that they definitely have rats, and Jessica complains about the dust. David finds an old menu and points out to the crew that they have a whole steamed lobster, but no nachos. I think every, you know, high class restaurant. Yeah, has, yeah. everybody has nachos. <laughs> has a nacho plate. I personally, <laughs> I'm with David on this. Yeah. We had nachos for dinner last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're delicious. Yeah. <laughs> when he defends his love of nachos, Jessica tells him to focus, promising that she'll get him some as soon as they leave. David is just as thrilled by the prospect of nachos as he is when he finds a stash of tapes detailing the construction of the hotel. Now behind them in the dark hallway, and I didn't even realize this till the second time I watched it, that clown walks by. Yes. <laughs> and everyone's back is turned and nobody sees it. And that is the shit that I love. Yeah. Your sister and that she did. She goes, oh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when I seen it, I was like, "There, everybody's waiting for him to get up. He got up. <laughs> yeah. There it is. I feel like it is those things. And for me, that is where it is kind of the hit or miss. Yeah. yeah. We just had the miss for me personally with the ghost face. Uh, not ghost face. <laughs> <laughs> ghost the, faced? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The ghost faced girl. Yeah. Uh, but this thing of the clown walking in the background, this is where I'm very, very impressed. Yes. Yeah. He says that Tully made a documentary Mitchell finds a tape, too, labeled unaired commercial. Jessica tells them to keep everything. Suddenly, the radio crackles to life with Molly's voice. She tells them that she's here and asks where they are. David radios back and she reports that she's here, upstairs. He asks what she's doing inside when she was supposed to stay outside, and Molly sounds frustrated. She says that she's in the main entranceway. Jessica tasks David with going to get her and find out what she's doing here. She says that if it's the cops to just tell Molly to stay calm and it'll be fine. 
Annoyed at being volunteered and the idea that the cops could be here, David radios Molly to tell her he's on his way before handing the walkie over to Jessica. I have a problem with uh, a little problem with this. Why can't you just tell talk to her on the on the walkie talkie? I don't know. I don't know. Like tell her to get out. Yeah, you're not. You're nobody called you. Just go, go. Is the door open? Get out of here. What? Anything? Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to be here, no matter what. And I mean, I just don't understand. And it's very funny later on when she gives the explanation because that it, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I just I don't know. There there has to be. I don't. And her hesitance earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll be there in about 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> David snags the camera and goes upstairs, running into a very frazzled Molly in the entryway. David gently asks what she's doing here when Jessica told her to stay outside. Molly says that she knows that's what Jessica said, so why did David tell her to come in here? David is confused, saying that he didn't tell her anything. Molly is insistent, telling David that he did radio her and tell her to come. But David says that he's been down in the basement going through tapes from 1986. He tells her flat out that he never even touched the walkie until she called him. Molly continues to argue, quoting that he told her they could use some extra hands and that he'd let her in through the front door. She yells, telling him that it is not okay to screw with her. David tries to defuse the situation and takes the walkie from her to call Jessica and Mitchell, telling her honestly that he wouldn't do that to her. In the basement, the radio broadcasts David's voice, telling them that something very weird is going on here. Jessica asks if he's with Molly and wants to know what's happening. David relays what she said, that he called her and told her to come in. Mitchell takes the walkie and asks what door Molly came in through. David reports that it's the front door and Mitchell asks if it's closed. It is. <laughs> Come on, man. And so the ghosts have the fucking voice changer from Scream 3? Yeah. yeah so it is Ghostface. Yes. Yeah, I, it is Ghostface. <laughs> we were right. Yeah. <laughs> Mitchell asks if David can open it. After a long pause, David says that it's locked and he can't. This is enough for Mitchell. He tells Jessica to gather everything and that they need to leave right now. Jessica's confused, wanting to stay, but Mitchell tells her emphatically to just move. She laughs it off, telling him that nothing's happened, but Mitchell says that Molly wasn't supposed to be in here. He tells her to think logically. How did she get her hands on the evidence? He says that something was trying to get them here and it worked. Finally, she listens to him and they gather their things. He even tells her to forget about the rest and to leave. She's annoyed. But he told you yep. a long time ago and very many times. Yep. If I tell you, let's go, mm -hmm. get go. up and let's go. You drop what you're doing. Oh, not the camera. Okay, fine. Yeah. And he even said then he needs to remember how he got yep. out yep. or how to get out. Yeah. There comes a point later where Jessica grows more and more annoyed. Yeah. And it's like, this has been his only thing that he's been saying. Are yeah. you the Hotel Abaddon dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gang rejoins together at the entryway. Mitchell tries the door and finds that it's locked, just like David had said. David asks who contacted Molly. And when Jessica snaps back that no one did, Mitchell says that that's why they need to get out of here right now. They need to go the way they came. He says that this is why he wedged the door open. He starts in that direction and Jessica stops him asking what about Brock. 
Mitchell concedes that they'll go through the dining room on the way to get Brock, then they're going to the exit. Molly is standing quietly behind them, but Jessica grabs her and tells her to calm down anyway. I was like, that's the comment she's been. <laughs> they start through the decorations of the haunt, making their way through the strung up spider webs and props. They go past walls, spray painted 666 until they come to a door. Jessica pushes it open, but stops, horrified. She turns away from what she's seen, covering her face and letting the door close behind her. Undeterred, Mitchell pushes past her into the dining room. Brock and Malcolm hang from the ceiling by nooses around their necks. Mitchell tells everyone to keep going when they start to ask questions. David's camera swings, catching the tabletop where Brock tried to conduct the seance. Written again and again in white chalk is only one word. Yes. That's cool. I yeah. loved that so much. Yeah, because the last question he asked. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Molly leads the way as they round corner after corner in their search for the back door. She turns a corner and stops, screaming. When we're able to see, the clown, y'all know the one, <laughs> is standing propped up against the wall leading to the exit, which is still propped open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jessica asks how it could be here when they saw it in the basement, but Mitchell tells her plainly that that's the way out and they have to go past it. Jessica swears she's not going near it, but Mitchell says that it's just a prop and it can't hurt them. I don't know where, cite your sources. Yeah. Um, but we're still running past that fucking thing. You edited the first film. Yeah. yeah. You know what that clown's capable of. Unless, oh, he's, yeah. <laughs> unless he's just telling her so that she'll go. First. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you're it's, the fastest. I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. It's so safe, in fact, that you should lead the way. Mm -hmm. Just dive out. <laughs> he inches forward, the group following behind him, but they all freeze when the clown drops his hand and turns his head to face them. I loved how this looked. Yeah. It's that one fluid moment. Yes. Movement. Movement. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared by the clown. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great movement. That was a moment of movement. Yes. Yeah. There you go. All right. Thank you for saving me. Uh huh. <laughs> Abruptly, the back door slams shut, which I thought was really insulting. Yeah. Y'all weren't getting out anyway. It isn't enough that he's just staring at you. Yeah. No shit. And him moving. Nobody's going close to him. No. no. <laughs> just leave the door open. It's like we're not yeah, gonna yeah. go, dude. <laughs> he's like, psych. Yeah. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> They turn and run in the opposite direction. They follow Molly again, frantically, until she stops at a chalkboard. Written next to room numbers are the names Mitchell Gallagher, Jessica Fox, Molly Reynolds, David Morris, and Russell Wynn with the date underneath. Okay, so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Russell is I editing know. this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, mm, probably means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, your name is on the chalkboard. That yeah. got me. <laughs> I'm like, he's not even here. <laughs> Molly pleads to David behind the camera, telling him that she doesn't want to be here and begging him to get her out. Well, how weird of Molly to not want to be here? Because clearly, I mean, everybody else is having a great time. <laughs> It's like, oh, you want to leave? Yeah. Go. Okay. Go to the clown door. Yeah. <laughs> he was beckoning you out. I don't understand. Oh, maybe he's gone, Chet. Yeah, let's check. Let's go, Chet. Let's go. <laughs> he likes to move around. He likes to move around. <laughs> he's a movement king. <laughs> but Mitchell tries the front door again and finds that there is no knob. 
David proposes that they just break the door down, repeating his vow to never stop filming as he sets the camera down and takes a run at the door. Try as he might, it's no use. The door doesn't budge. While David's recovering, the group hears a door creak open further in the house. David takes the camera back as he turns behind them to investigate. Loud footsteps come toward them, causing the floor beneath them to creak. The group sees no other choice but to run upstairs. They run away, David having to snap Jessica out of her fear-induced trance. In the next room, the atmospheric and flashing lights of the haunt are on. David asks how this is possible when the power is supposed to be out, but Mitchell says to ignore it and just keep moving. When she nearly trips over one of the mannequins, Jessica sobs, but Mitchell urges her on. They finally come to a small staircase leading to the second floor, the one we have seen many times in the Hell House videos, Mm -hmm. and never in a positive way. (laughs) They start to head toward it, but David stops them, saying that they can't go up there. Mitchell asks why, and David answers simply, because I saw your documentary. Mitchell insists that this is the only way to go, so they do. Once upstairs, Mitchell comes face to face with room 2C, the last place Diane Graves was seen. He stops at the door, but Jessica yells that they have to get out of here. Mitchell finally snaps out of it and directs them down the hall where he says there is a balcony. The way there is through a very creepy part of the haunt with flashing lights and dummies pressed up against like chain link. Mm hmm. David mutters to himself in fear as he continues forward, but he stops when he rounds the corner and sees a familiar looking mannequin with long hair and a white dress. She stares at him expressionlessly until she blinks. That blink is great. Yes. It's just enough to be like, no, it's me. Yeah. The entire group runs screaming down the hall, and when David glances behind him, the woman is following. Finally, he joins the rest of the crew in one of the hotel rooms. As soon as Mitchell gets the door closed, he realizes that there's no lock. Jessica and Molly hold the door shut until Mitchell can grab the dresser and barricade it. Jessica points out that Mitchell knew something was wrong as soon as he heard Molly was on the radio. She demands to know what's going on. Before Mitchell can answer, though, there's a thump on the door and everyone screams. Back on Morning Mysteries, Susie shifts the focus to Alex Taylor, describing him as a controversial figure both since the documentary and before it. Hmm. She says that Rockland County officials have said that he wasn't even given permission to use the hotel. Arnold co-signs this, saying that when Alex met with his associates, They cautioned him against using the hotel and suggested alternatives. Susie asks if he was cautioned against or outright denied access. And Arnold says that legally they weren't allowed to forbid him from using the hotel. So that didn't happen. I don't get this. I don't know. Because if if you don't have permission from the county. Yeah. Isn't it trespassing? Yeah, I think so. It's like, look, dude. If you do it, I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> I can't tell you no. Yeah. But. And we own the building, but we can't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? How are you using it? It's your building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we couldn't say no. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you could. What are yeah. you talking yeah, about? You could. <laughs> Susie asks Brock if he's been able to draw any conclusions from what he's seen. And Brock says that he has. He says that Alex has a personality trait that's common with people who start with nothing and are able to build their own businesses. 
Rut row. <laughs> Damn. I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, move past that real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's not stay on that yeah. too long. Yeah, let's not dwell. <laughs> <laughs> they're comfortable taking risks and gambling. And when those risks and gambles don't work out, they're prepared to double down until things spiral out of control. And he says that this is what happened with Alex. I don't know why Brock is the psychology expert. Yeah. yeah. He's not. Yeah. yeah. But she's like, hey, Brock, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, since Alex is passing, we've had a long talk. <laughs> <laughs> he told me he's all about starting his own business. Right. <laughs> That's where it began, really. But we see a picture of a journal found in Alex's things with demonic figures drawn on the pages. Brock points out the fact that Hell House was in trouble financially and no one but Alex knew that with the exception of possibly Mac. He feels like something darker and more nefarious was at play. He surmises that something was drawing and compelling Alex down a path toward his own demise. He speaks over footage of the Hell House documentary where we see Alex Taylor, played by Danny Bellini, talking to his crew. So this is starting to highlight a little of the mystery of the first film. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where we were very confused as to what's going on and why they have to do this. Yeah. And I remember Mac and Tony having that conversation where it cuts and we don't see what is said. Yeah. yeah. And then they're suddenly... Then they're very upset after. Yeah. <laughs> they're upset sitting in a field. And I think uh, Dust in the Wind was playing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beautiful shot. It was very beautiful, but we never knew what exactly was going on. Yeah. But yeah. they were just like, fucking Alex. Yeah. And you're like, what did he do? Or well, about yeah. to find out. Yes. And knowing that this was a conceived trilogy, I really like that. Yes. That he was yeah. like, look, we'll plant the seed and later on it'll grow. I mm -hmm. thought that was cool. I agree. But Susie interjects that that still doesn't explain why Alex picked the Abaddon Hotel out of all the options he had. But Mitchell has a theory. He reluctantly tells the panel that he thinks Alex was contacted by the hotel. Arnold makes exaggerated faces at this while Mitchell's talking. <laughs> that is very disrespectful. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> Fuck off, Mitchell. <laughs> but Susie asks for clarification since the hotel had been closed. Mitchell doesn't mean that someone called to confirm his stay. He means that there's something within the hotel that orchestrates events that fall like dominoes. It's cause and effect. We get a glimpse of Mitchell in the car with Molly and David. Then another glimpse of Sarah, Alex and Mac in the car being filmed by Paul. We see Jessica leading them toward the hotel in the cornfield. We see Diane Graves walking toward the front door. Susie asks, what's the effect? Before Mitchell can answer, we see Brock leading Malcolm into the hotel. Then we see Alex leading Max, Sarah, and Tony Prescott, played by Jared Hacker. Mitchell finally answers. Whatever happened on October 8th, 2009, was set in motion long before that night. Okay, so for me, I really appreciate this scene. Mm -hmm. We have a callback to the first film. Yeah. We have a little bit of a hint of some mystery that was left in the first film. Yeah. We have a lot of shots of symmetry of people yeah. entering this hotel and their lives being either ended or ruined. Mm -hmm. This, to me, feels like the final scene of the film. Okay. Yeah. This is where I feel like it should have ended because this is the perfect line to go out on to lead into the third film of a trilogy. Yeah. That is a very good point. Yeah. So it was very odd for me because the last thing we saw, literally the last thing we saw is them being like, oh, close the door. Yeah. With yeah, the yeah. ghost. And then they're just back in the studio. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what? 
It's just a very odd placement for me. Okay. That that's a fair point because it would kind of bring everything full circle. Yeah. And then it kind of just leaves you wanting more, you know. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. That's a good I, point. My I was the whole time I was thinking, I was like, so they just they played the long game? Say, like, God yeah. damn, how long did how long did it take you to set this up for this dude and his what, four buddies? Yeah. The hotel's <laughs> like, and now we play the yeah. waiting game. <laughs> It'll work out. Yeah. <laughs> Let him cook. <laughs> Alex is very ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Back at the Abaddon Hotel, the group cowers quietly in the barricaded room. Mitchell asks Jessica about the leaked transcript. She says she got it anonymously in the mail. Mitchell retraces the steps. She gets the transcript. Then she called him. Then they brought the crew, and within a few days, they're all trapped in here. Jessica asks why he would let this happen if he knew it was all a manipulation. But Mitchell says that he didn't know until he heard Molly on the radio. And I warned the fuck out of you guys yeah constantly like how are you mm-hmm. nope don't come at me like that <laughs> just because you're scared now Mm-mm. no <laughs> you're scared. i don't like that shit <laughs> then why would you let this happen i, I didn't, didn't want to fucking come yeah. here i didn't fucking do this <laughs> <laughs> but again he did he warned him and told him this is dangerous he this did. is dangerous i yes. don't think this is a good idea so many times yeah he asks why he would even come here if he knew they were being baited Jessica insists that they can't stay here. What, Jessica? (laughs) You're fucking brilliant, dude. But it's a hotel, I thought. (laughs) That's what they're here for. Yeah, that's weird, Jessica. (laughs) Mitchell tries his phone again to no avail, so Jessica suggests that they try a different channel on the walkie. They switch channels, and Jessica frantically calls out, asking if anyone can hear them. A calm voice answers, saying that he can hear her. Jessica pleads with him, saying that they're trapped inside the Abaddon Hotel. The voice answers back coolly. Yes, we have you checked in for October 8th. There's a thud, and Jessica and Mitchell both jump back from the walkie. This is giving 1408. I was going to say. I'm a sucker for it. I, I like it. I, I I loved it, but it is funny to think that the ghosts are outside with the walkie-talkie. <laughs> They're like, oh, I got waiting. the bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you got their frequency? <laughs> oh, do fuck with we're, them. Yeah, we're going to fuck of with them. Well, get Molly in first. <laughs> <laughs> Being stuck here, though, even if, again, she was a skeptic before we got in here and all the shit started happening, you've seen everything that's been happening. Yeah. If you're like, oh, God, please help us. Can anyone hear us? And they go, I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> no. She's you're like, oh, too thank, calm. Thank the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank I you. Don't you. Sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> send, send the police to the Abaddon Hotel. <laughs> kind sir. Who <laughs> is clearly here to help. I don't yeah. trust it. I don't trust it. Not at all. <laughs> But this entire time, David has been reviewing the footage that they found in the basement and he gets everyone's attention. He says that he's been looking through the old tapes, but he also came across some new mini DVD tapes. He says that they're not going to believe who pops up in one of them. Mitchell and Jessica crowd around, but Molly stays where she is, sitting against the wall. David freeze frames and we can't see what they're looking at, but Mitchell and Jessica both demand to know what that person is doing there. Jessica asks if their tapes could have gotten mixed up with Tully's, but David is adamant that there is no way. Jessica asks what they're saying, and David, wearing the headphones, says that they're having some kind of meeting. 
Mitchell asks who was meeting who, and David says that it's Alex and then someone that they haven't seen yet. He tells Mitchell to look at the date on the footage. It's from April, six months before the Hell House tragedy. Hmm. Mitchell is in complete disbelief, saying that Alex always gave them the impression that he'd never been there before. They want to see the footage, and David starts it, advising them, hold on to your butts, which I loved. Yes. Take a source. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We see Alex on the tape, nervously pacing back and forth. The date marks April 18th, 2009. Someone comes in, and Alex starts berating them, angrily demanding to know where they've been. He says he's been calling for weeks and all the calls go to voicemail. He threatens to sue, but the person answers him back that he knew that this was high risk and something like this could happen. He chalks it up to bad luck, but Alex isn't trying to hear it. He tells the person that he lost a fortune. So what the fuck is he supposed to do now? The man asks the question again mockingly before advising that maybe he could take some responsibility. Alex throws it back to him, saying that he's the one who contacted him. He asks if he was just trying to scam him from the beginning. The man tells Alex that he's business savvy because Hell House is a huge success in such a successful Halloween market like New York. But Alex only says that it was. The man is confused, saying that he still has the business. Alex only looks at him guiltily and the man is appalled, realizing that Alex invested Hell House's money instead of his own. He wonders how he could have had Alex pegged so wrong. He tells him that he's going to have to explain to Mac that all the money is gone. He follows it up with the faux silver lining that Rockland County is really wonderful this time of year. He muses that he wishes he could be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Why is this ghost or whatever, (laughs) whoever this is, so ridiculously rude? He's really mean. He is, but the way he's saying it is kind of like he knows yeah. A, a little bit. Oh, yeah. like, mm. Alex, you did yeah. what? You knew all about this. Yeah. <laughs> you did your research. <laughs> but he reassures Alex that maybe he can help. He asks what he thinks of this hotel. Alex puts it plainly. It's a dump. The man agrees, saying that it hasn't had any guests in a few decades. But what does he think about it? Alex allows that it's freaky and easy to get lost, asking why you would make it so hard to find the dining room. The man offers that it's fun. It's been in his possession for a long time, and he's been looking for something to put it back on the map. Maybe an attraction of some kind. A haunted house, perhaps? He says that Alex could help him give this hotel a second life. Alex breathes heavily as he thinks over his options. The man thrusts his hand into frame, primed for a handshake as Alex continues to mull it over. Back in the room, Molly asks out of nowhere if they're going to die in here. Jessica immediately goes to comfort her. She promises that they'll get out of here. They just need to stay calm and figure it out. We flash quickly to the interrogation room. Jessica, blood still smeared on her face, says that she didn't know. She fights her tears as she says there was so much blood. The officer asks, whose blood and where did she see it? Jessica replies, his blood, her blood, my blood. She buries her head in her hands as she says that they laughed and laughed and laughed. After a moment with her head down, she looks back up at the officer. She calmly tells him that in the Bible, they call it the lake of fire. The officer asks who she was with and where she's been the last few days. And Jessica just stares back at him blankly. Lake of Fire. Great song. 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. MTV Unplugged Nirvana. I believe it was the Meat Puppets. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think um, the thing for me here is where are we getting that? Is it from what we see later with a certain person explaining all of the things? Getting what? This uh, biblical situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's from that. I guess. Because it was an odd pivot in the interview. It was. Yeah. There was she's so much going, blood. She's going through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Do you read the Bible? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Sorry. I did like that moment with Alex explaining. It was a little expository, obviously. Yeah. But I think that that is, it makes so much more sense as to why when everybody was like, look, dude, this shit is happening. And he's like, we got to open tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, oh, yeah. it makes so much more sense. Well, if you remember in the first film, it was literally, they had already had clown night one. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. they had people sleepwalking and shit. Yes. And well, not even sleepwalking. That was a ghost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a ghost. But Sarah was starting to act weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he was still, like you said, insistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alex is like listening. We're doing this. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of my complaints. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, leave. But now yeah. it makes, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Back in the room, Mitchell advises everyone to conserve their energy. But Jessica insists that they need to go now and find that balcony that he told them about. Mitchell says that they will eventually, but not right now. He reminds her that she saw what was out there and Jessica finally relents. Molly pipes up that if they get out of here, she wants to take a vacation. A whole week where Jessica can't call, text, or email her. And she can just sit on the couch and binge so you think you can dance. She asks if that's a deal and Jessica agrees. Molly starts to cry and the two cuddle up together and Jessica apologizes. I felt like a week was very um, modest. Yeah. Fair. After what you've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, let me just take a long weekend. (laughs) Three days, I'll be fine. (laughs) I'll be ready to go. We'll get more state senators arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, Mitchell shushes them. A voice says, sleep sweet, and the lights cut off. The group is startled, but they find each other in the darkness. David boasts that nothing can happen to this camera that he can't fix, and true to his word, he's able to get the light back on. David and Jessica's bodies block the wall behind them, but Jessica is startled when she turns and reveals that the door to the room is open, and Molly is gone. They were just cuddling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. What if uh, it panned around and she was cuddling her still, but it was really the clown? (laughs) (laughs) I've been holding this dude. (laughs) It's it's really quick, but as soon as the light comes back on, the ghost's head's right there, peeking around (laughs) the corner. Oh yeah, I didn't see that at all. They're there for a second, and then it and then it's just gone. That's so cool. Small shit like that, even like you were saying, T beautiful yes and it's creepy as fuck there's no noise there's no extra whatever it's just the image of it mm-hmm. and that that shit lasts that's just my favorite thing like when mike flanagan hit all those ghosts oh, in, man. in yeah. Hill House. it's just my favorite thing that you can watch something five times and then be like what the fuck like yeah. i didn't even see that love it But David is panicked, rightfully saying that Molly wouldn't have left this room by herself. He starts to rush to the door to go after her, but Jessica and Mitchell stop him. They try to calm him down, but David points to a note left on the door that he says was not there before. Mitchell looks at the paper, but doesn't say a word when David wants to know what it says. Jessica takes it from him, and when David asks her, she reads it to him tearfully. Lovely Molly is in the basement with her friends. 
David tries to start for the door again, but Jessica and Mitchell keep him in place. Mitchell promises that they will get her back, but he insists that they can't be stupid about it. He volunteers to go first, Jessica next, and then David will get their backs. They turn to the door, Jessica cautioning David to go slowly and promising one more time that they will get her back. The crew sets down the narrow staircase to get back to the basement. They creep around corners quietly, wondering again how the lights are on when the power was out. Mitchell continues to lead the way, scaring the shit out of everyone when he pushes open a particularly squeaky door. David whispers, asking if they see her, but Mitchell only raises a hand to silence him as they continue to the basement stairs. They make their way down and Mitchell's steady speed freezes once he rounds the corner. Jessica looks around to see what's there and fearfully calls out for God as she turns back around. Mitchell implores them to keep it together, but David finally comes around and sees Molly lying on top of the clowns sitting against the wall. At first, I was like, what? God damn it, what is it? I can't see anything. Yeah, me either. And then when we finally get it, I was like, oh, this is really bad. Yeah. 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 He tries to go after Molly immediately, but Mitchell and Jessica stop him, warning him to go slow and be careful and that they'll be right behind him. He hands the camera over to Jessica and we watch as David creeps over to the clowns. Mitchell follows closely behind him, urging him to go slow and make no sudden moves. They call out to Molly softly, but she appears to be asleep sprawled across the clowns. Suddenly, Jessica tells them that something is coming and now they need to hurry up. Molly wakes up and trapped under the arms of that iconic black and white clown, she begins to scream. Jessica screams too as she turns in time to see the wall adorned with the pentagram burst and crumble as something burst through the other side. This is a big deal. And this is a huge yeah. deal. And I feel like we don't get enough time to break this down. No, no, I don't think so. And then it kind of, okay, doesn't, is it in the director's cut that something like this happens? Do you remember? In the first one? Yeah. yeah. yeah like a whole open ends up in the ground or maybe the wall like a portal to hell i guess yeah Yeah. and then don't we end the scene here kind of well they're able to get molly free when the clown raises his arms for some reason (laughs) and they all run (laughs) you've seen enough yeah through the glitches in the footage we see figures following them when jessica turns back around they run upstairs through the flashing lights and cobwebs of the bar area molly leads the way screaming and banging on doors but of course to no avail Due to the strobe light, we see the rest in flashes as the black and white clown comes out of nowhere and slowly and steadily approaches us. Jessica and Molly scream, but the lights stop flashing and we can't see anything anymore. The women find each other in the darkness, whispering and wondering where the clown is. Suddenly, the footage comes back up, glitching and crackling, and the clown is right in front of us. Everything freezes. Okay, so this, every single time that something has frozen so far in this film, there's always like, sorry about that editing, fam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why do we keep doing this? I understand we gotta be dark for the scene, yeah. but I'm not a fan of the light just working when it wants to. Yeah, that's it's yeah. like, come on, dude. You were fine the entire time, and then now it's like, you know, turn it off. Now you're, turn yeah, yeah. Yeah, now we have an issue. Yeah. yeah. And Russell's like, yeah, we can't explain that clown either. Yeah. Yeah, look at it. <laughs> it's weird, right? And it's like, this is the clown you just saw. Yeah, yeah. check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Back on Morning Mysteries, Susie says that they have the editor of the new and controversial website, The Inside. Jessica Fox is on the phone, wanting to weigh in on the hotel. 
Her voice comes in and Jessica thanks Susie for the opportunity, but she's quickly interrupted by Arnold, who recognizes her name. He asks if she's the one that's been writing about the hotel recently and alleging to know that Tully was a boogeyman and the town of Abaddon was complicit. He jabs at her that this is why people laugh at Internet blogs, amounting her research to lies and fake news. He taunts that she could have been the next BuzzFeed, but now she's just chasing ghost stories and it's going to be her funeral. God damn. (laughs) You're bothered. Interesting choice of words. Yeah. Funeral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, He... (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> just laughing, thinking of him being like, and we all know Tully's a hero and handsome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a new character now, right? We're getting introduced to this news anchor. No, this calling. is Jessica. Yeah, this is Jessica calling. Oh, well, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. We're going back and forth. That's okay. what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, well, hold on. Wait. Well, what? Ha- okay. No, no, no. Yeah. We're back in the studio. Okay. Yeah. We're yeah. back in the well, studio. Well, if you remember in the first 10 minutes of the film when she's like, I'm calling him right yeah. now. Yeah. We're that's back there. That's where we are. We're back there. What the fuck? Yeah. We're yeah. Back there. Okay. That's what confused me. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, okay, well, I know the name. Okay. Well, but what is she talking about? What the yeah. fuck's happening? I'm, I thought that happened. At the it very be- yeah okay. yeah it did but now all we're right, back all right yeah. all right I'm I'm up to speed here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Jessica's turn to interrupt when she cuts in to tell him that she has physical proof of Tully's involvement of the disappearances the town's involvement in covering it up and how it all connects back to Hell House Arnold asks why then isn't she typing it up in her Brooklyn studio apartment instead of calling here. Jessica says that she will and warns him that if he's on the town's payroll, he should probably resign because things are about to get very messy. Arnold asks why she's even calling. If she had proof, she wouldn't call to threaten him. To be fair, she did not call for you at all. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one yeah. that jumped in. You interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> Susie asks if Jessica really does have proof, but Jessica makes her intentions known when she addresses Mitchell directly. She tells him that if he wants to know what happened to Diane, to find her. She promptly hangs up the phone. Susie admits that she doesn't know what that meant, but points out that Jessica claimed to know where Diane went. It's like, yeah, we <laughs> we were here. <laughs> Arnold tries to get Susie to sympathize with the town of Abaddon, reasoning that their resources are limited and they're spending all of it providing security for the hotel and having to defend themselves against slander from people like Mitchell and Jessica back at the hotel (laughs) (laughs) this is what i'm talking about yeah it does i forgot how dicey it does get at the end but i really do love this part coming up yes yes back at the hotel mitchell is able to get the camera on and use the light he goes through the kitchen and finds the stairs leading up to the second floor he rushes up them breathing heavily as he comes face to face with the fenced off area past the rooms Instead of going that way, he goes down another hallway and finds Melissa, played by Lauren A. Kennedy. She sits on the floor with her back against the wall, calmly talking on the phone to her mom. She raises a finger to Mitchell to silence him as she confides in her mom that she's just nervous because it feels like Alex is keeping something from them. She's sure that once they get through opening night, it's all downhill. Mitchell just continues down the hall past her, not breaking his stride. But her voice continues saying, no, mom, I already told you I'm dead already. Her voice warps, pitched down and deep. And she continues. He took us to hell and Mitchell's coming with us. 
Mitchell turns around to find Melissa, standing in the middle of the hall facing him. She's now clearly dead and lunges for him. In his attempt to get away from her, Mitchell falls down the stairs and the camera rests, staring at the baseboards. I loved this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, this is the actress from the first one. Mm -hmm. And she is wearing the same like flannel shirt that she was wearing. I mean, this was really great. I think this was really great. It was funny to me that Mitchell's just like, excuse me? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> what has he been saying the whole time? Ignore it. Keep moving. Yeah. Ignore it. Don't look at it. So if he stopped to be like, ma'am, I'd be like, you, you. know better yeah. than me. So this whole thing was great because he's like, absolutely fucking not. We're still going down the hall. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where you don't know what to expect next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when her voice shifted when she yeah. was like talk to me yeah. <laughs> i was like oh shit it was and then that's fantastic yeah it was great yeah oh, it was yeah. a very good moment but when the camera comes back up its position has changed and shows mitchell lying on the ground unconscious he wakes up slowly and struggles to get to his feet back on morning mysteries <laughs> <laughs> real quick when do you lose hope Oh, it's gone. Like <laughs> real, uh, We're not yeah. getting out of here. No. Because this dude, I know everything's happening really fast in there. But like right now, seeing what just happened and then the ghost being like, oh, no, Mitchell's he's he's coming with us. Yeah. No, I'm just going to keep moving till hunger takes me. <laughs> <laughs> that line, though, is so scary. No, I already told you I'm dead already. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was. Oh. It was it was a I loved it. Actually like a chiller. Yes. Yeah. Like, it I was felt so good. That was good. It took us to hell and Mitchell's coming. Mitchell's like me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why fuck me though? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hope she means a different Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely not me. I don't even know her. <laughs> but back on the show, Mitchell tells the audience in the panel that he did nothing to alter any of the tapes. He thinks that the hotel is very dangerous and everyone should stay away from it. He pleads with everyone that it's not a joke and that this is real. Susie asks if he intends to stay away from the hotel. But before we can get an answer, we get a flash of Mitchell's view now, holding the camera as he stumbles into the dining room. Propped up across from each other at the table are the bodies of Alex and Mac. Back on the set, Mitchell affirms that he plans to stay away from the hotel. He says that he wants to know what happened just as much as anyone else or more. Susie asks him because of Diane and Mitchell says that this is true, but also because of the genuine curiosity that got him into making documentaries in the first place. There's a very long pause when she asks him that. Mm -hmm. I thought she was going to go. You loved her, didn't you, Mitchell? (laughs) (laughs) She didn't. No. Mitchell? Because of Diane? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we gotta, this is dead air. Yeah. <laughs> Answer the fucking question. <laughs> but he makes it clear, though, that he has no intention of going to the hotel again. Arnold thanks him, telling him that he sets a fine example by just saying that. Susie wraps it all up. Happy to end on a positive note and some agreement. She thanks the panel and the audience for watching and teases the next episode, also about the Abaddon Hotel, where she'll be interviewing Russell Wynn, a wealthy tech entrepreneur who claims to have been receiving anonymous packages of unseen video footage from the Abaddon. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Apparently, he's been quietly putting it all together. They will talk about that and his plans to relocate his online play, Insomnia. Hmm. You know, 
With that, the theme plays and the show ends. Arnold <laughs> gets up and immediately walks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, that's my time. Doesn't even give him the mic pack back. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of calls to return. Yeah. He's got to return some video tapes. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but Susie takes out her phone. Brock grabs Mitchell before he can leave, asking if he's serious about never going back to the Abaddon. Mitchell says he thinks he is, but Brock counters that he knows he's lying to his face. He knows he's going back, and if he's trying to get to the secrets that only ghosts keep, he needs Brock Davies. Mitchell insists that he's never setting foot in there again and that Brock himself should stay away too. He walks off. Susie uses her earpiece to ask if they can reshoot the intro. An assistant comes over and tells her that they just got a phone call from Arnold Tasselman. Susie, distracted by her phone again, asks what he forgot because he just left. The assistant says that he called to apologize for missing it due to a minor car accident. Susie is annoyed, asking how that's the case when she just interviewed him. The assistant says that it sounded just like him and that he said he's been dealing with police, insurance, and the woman he hit for the last two hours. Looking up from her phone, Susie snaps at her, asking if it was the fucking same Arnold Tasselman that was in the studio 30 seconds ago. But why? You don't need to be mean to her like that. She's. I would be more worried. I'd be like, hold on, hold on. Then who the fuck just walked out and of here? And we've been talking about some really freaky shit. Yeah. And you saw a fucking ghoul this morning. Yeah. <laughs> like with your own eyes on your yeah. tape. <laughs> it's a lot. And there's questions I have. Let's unpack, but I'll wait a minute. <laughs> because this is the funniest thing. This is the greatest thing. My favorite reveal has to be Will Benson. Oh, but this is up like this is kind of high up there. This is so (laughs) just unnecessary. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the dining room, Mitchell has set down the camera on the table and is helping Jessica and Molly on the other side of the room who have been hooded and tied up. As he unties Jessica, someone enters the room, calling him by name and telling him to leave them be. Mitchell turns and asks, What are you doing here? Oh, it's you. What are you so happy about? (laughs) But he screams at him, asking what he's doing here. And the voice asks if he's really having trouble (laughs) putting this together. Mitchell says that it's not possible because he's dead. And the voice confirms this, saying that he has been for a long time now. He tells Mitchell to pick up the camera. And when he doesn't do it fast enough, the camera is pushed across the table over to him. And the voice, distorted and low now, tells him again, pick up the goddamn camera. With a trembling hand, Mitchell obliges and turns the camera to reveal Andrew Tully played by Brian David Tracy, who we believed to be Arnold Tasselman. Believed is a strong word. Yeah. <laughs> who alleged yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> this, There's so many things. I think here's my thing is that Mitchell recognized him as Andrew Tully. Yeah. He you're said, right. you, you're dead. Yeah. So this is some fucking Superman bullshit 
where Clark Kent throws on a pair of glasses and it's like, oh, that's my, that must be Mr. Tassel. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. And like you, you had said off mic that you thought that it was going to look entirely different. Right. Yeah. Like he put like a glamour on to be, because I'm like, did he send a ghost to wreck into Arnold Tasselman so <laughs> yeah. that he missed the tape? Like, the real one? I'm I'm just so confused. And, and the fact that he showed up and nobody was like, you're not Arnold Tasselman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they know what he looks like. Yeah. Because they live in the same town. And whenever you think about Jessica, the journalist, she doesn't know what Andrew Tully looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It's all really funny. And then you think <laughs> back to all the times he's like, now let's not go blame the hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe Mitchell, because if he didn't like do as much research, and, but, yeah. he, but he should have. Or Susie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you host a show called Morning Mystery. So did he, he said this after he told them um, it's not that hard to put together though, right? Yeah. So yeah. at least maybe, maybe he was like, come on, dude, you're not that dumb. And he's like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> I've been had. But even that still goes to what you're, you're saying. They should have known from research what he looked like yeah and for me it's just the icing on the cake is just the fact that he looks exactly fucking yeah. the same. that was hilarious to me and the fact that he took it was the time, yeah <laughs> he took the time to sit on the panel and be like it's completely safe <laughs> 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 that's so funny dude i just i can't believe it well i mean maybe they haven't had enough souls in a while and yeah <laughs> well that's the point is he's trying to get more but it's just it's really funny yeah and he's like you're scaring people away from the hotel <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's so funny. But then again, he was yelling at Mitchell for bringing people to the hotel. Yes, he was. I don't know. Well, but yeah. then he's like, you're setting an excellent example. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> but he's like, well, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get back to hell now. <laughs> Excuse me. It's just, oh, it's very funny to me. But he tells Mitchell that he's pleased to meet him. He introduces himself as Andrew Tully and the rest of the crew as guests in his hotel. At the table in front of him, Alex and Mac stare into nothingness. Tully toys with the prospect of them being permanent guests like Alex and Mac, but he says that they'll see. He introduces Mac, the Hell House brain trust. He says that his friendship to Alex doomed him way before Hell House even opened. He says that he almost lost Tony if it weren't for Max spilling the beans at just the right moment. Mm -hmm. And we saw that. We didn't see him tell him, but we saw that. He then indicates Alex, the most important piece in his domino set. He says that he was surprised how easily he was able to manipulate Mitchell right on television. It was almost as easy as Alex. But I feel like he didn't manipulate Mitchell. Jessica did. Yeah. yeah. And also, they show a shot of Tully on set looking fucking <laughs> Mitchell up and down Yeah, <laughs> at that moment. He's like, <laughs> you don't even <Yeah>. know. <laughs> he crosses to the other side of the table in front of Jessica and Molly and Mitchell follows suit, moving to the side where Tully had stood previously. Tully admits that all he wanted was more guests. He sings, be my guest before saying that they all came just like Alex, just like Diane. Mitchell starts to lower the camera, but Tully growls at him to not dare drop it. He continues that he has to warn him because it's going to be very difficult for Mitchell, and he's going to have to make some tough decisions about keeping the dominoes falling and the hotel open. He's like, <laughs> oh, you thought we closed the hotel? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why are you so snarky, dude? <laughs> 
But slamming his fists on the table, he reveals to Mitchell that the hotel has never been fucking closed. He says that when they died here 30 years ago, it was only a relaunch. Alex thought he was opening Hell House in an abandoned hotel, but they never left. The hotel has always been occupied. He goes around the table and closes in on Mitchell, saying that they chose to enter the lake of fire. They weren't cast away into it like the Bible says. He tells Mitchell that he's found the gateway and it's glorious. He leans his head to the side and tells someone to play them a song. A familiar song begins to play. And when Mitchell sweeps the camera over to the piano, he sees a woman playing it. He calls Diane's name and she stops playing and turns to him. One eye completely white and the other torn out. Diane is dead. This fool can't catch a break. Huh? Not at all. No. Not at all. It's like, give him a second. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell screams and backs away. He crumbles to the floor, but Tully's voice tells him that he's not done yet. There's a lot more to do before he gives up. I do want to say very quickly, just the atmosphere of this room. Mm -hmm. You got like the fog. Yeah. Candles, red light. It's very well done. Yeah. yeah. He says that there are choices to make and yells at someone to help him with the damn camera. We hear footsteps as someone obliges, picking up the camera and aiming it at Mitchell, cowering against the wall. Mac is no longer in his seat at the table and a hooded figure stands next to Jessica. When the camera was picked up, I was really hoping that it was Paul. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why he's... I mean, we hear him say sleep sweet, but yeah. we don't see him in this. And I feel like he was like super important. Yeah. yeah. I think it because it's just one of the nameless ghouls, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Mac. With the camera? Because Mac's not at the table anymore. Oh. Okay. I, thought I had, think. thought he had places to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I got shit to do. <laughs> Tully crouches to Mitchell's level, ordering him to tell him who leaves here today. In order to keep the dominoes falling, someone gets to leave. He asks Mitchell who it's going to be. He says that he didn't think Mitchell would be eager to choose, so he'll take someone out of the running for him. Do you remember in King of the Hill when Mad Dog had them all tied up and then he slaps Bill and then I think Dale talks shit to him and then he slaps Bill again? Yeah. This is what this felt like. I was like, what? Based on what? What? <laughs> He stands and proclaims with a slowly distorting voice, we are legion, we are servants of the snake, and we will release someone into the lake of fire. The hooded figure slowly walks over to Molly. <laughs> the women scream and the camera dips down for a second to the sound of tearing flesh. When it's raised again, a knife sticks out of Molly's stomach and she seizes, coughing up blood. We see a glimpse of her sitting behind the wheel of her car and smiling in better times. Wynn's like, there's not going to be a fucking dry eye in the yeah. house. <laughs> it's like, I learned this from Rob Zombie. Yeah. <laughs> Free bird starts He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> As she slumps over dead, Tully chuckles, saying that they picked lovely Molly. He's thrilled because the perpetually scared make for the best guests. Jessica begs him to stop, but Tully says they won't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> no, he says it will never stop. They'll go on and on into eternity. The camera slides back over to Mitchell as Tully yells his name. Mitchell is guilt-stricken sobbing with his head on the floor. No, but he's crying. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember that song? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I need to calm down. Tully tells, him to <laughs> Tully tells him to make a decision because he's already made his. 
I will be honest, I do like this role. One person has to, or one person gets to walk out the door. Yeah. To tell the tale. Yeah. Well, you got to keep the mystery going. Mm-hmm. You got to, you know. But we get we get a glimpse of Tully sitting next to Mitchell smugly on Morning Mysteries. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. <laughs> I was like, geez, dude. <laughs> he explains that he knows what happens next, and it all starts with what happens in this room right now. Much later, someone will come to the hotel, just like Alex, and try to open it up again. He already knows this, just like he knew it would only take one anonymous package to get Jessica here. We see her in her office, opening the package and glancing at the camera. Tully says that he's been sending this person videos, including this one. He can already see it. He says it'll be bigger than Hell House, even more souls for their lake of fire. The series of dominoes begins now. After a moment of quiet reflection and the wind whistling loudly outside, Mitchell slowly rises to his feet. He walks past Diane, who begins to play again with a small smile on her face. We stay on her, staring at the camera as she plays, and we hear Jessica begin to scream, begging Mitchell no. We hear the slashing of flesh, and Diane is bathed in a red light, making Hell House LLC 2 the Abaddon Hotel technically a giallo film. Nay, please. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to tell you. The screaming finally stops and Diane turns full on to stare at the camera and stops playing. It cuts to black. In the interrogation room, the officer flatly tells Jessica that if she doesn't tell him anything, they can't find who did this to her and the people she was with. He asks if she can give any landmarks where it happened. A park? A restaurant? Does she know a road name? Jessica just continues to stare forward. A phone beeps and the officer walks past the camera to answer it. When we see Jessica again, she is staring and smiling at the camera. Her face pretty menacing and Mm. dark. Jessica? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're scaring your mother. (laughs) (laughs) The officer tells the person on the other end that he'll be right there. He walks past the camera again and Jessica is as she was before, silent and staring. The officer starts to speak, but Jessica interrupts him. She finally says, the Abaddon, the Abaddon Hotel. That's where I was. You should go there. It cuts to black and the credits start. Now, the second time I watched this, Mm -hmm. I was a little confused because I guess I was under the impression. (laughs) This is what I get for trusting Andrew Tully. (laughs) (laughs) I thought someone would be let out like free. Right. And that Mitchell picked Jessica, but clearly she's fucked up. Yeah. Or she's under the influence of the hotel. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing that we got in the first film. Yeah. Yeah. With Sarah. Yeah. Who we should have seen in this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't mean somebody can go free. He means I'm going to continue to use somebody as a pawn. Yeah. What's a deal with the devil, basically. Right. Yeah. He, he yeah. heads I win, tails you lose her. Yeah. He robot doubled her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, damn. <laughs> well, I mean, she gets to get out for a little bit, her ghost self, and yeah. then come back. Yeah, get some fresh, fresh air. air. Yeah. yeah. Saw her walking. Yeah. Like that hitchhiker. <laughs> Saw her walking. <laughs> yeah. That's where they picked her up. Yeah. There are benefits. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. Chris bottom air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the credits stop when we see Max setting the camera up to face him on a table in a diner. 
They continue, but the footage comes back up to show Alex sitting down across from him. Alex asks what's with the camera, and Mac explains that he's doing it for insurance to protect himself. Alex puts it plainly, blackmail then. Max just says that he wants it on record that he had nothing to do with this. Alex snidely says under his breath, okay, only looking out for yourself. You have no right to be yeah. fucking snarky, dude. Oh, no. Like, you, you've you lost any right to sass, pettiness, snark. It's all been revoked. Mm. I could not fucking believe him. Yeah. There's no, like, apology, like, nothing. Oh, so you're only worried about yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. who were you worried about when you gambled all our fucking money away and they made a deal with the ghost <laughs> yeah in that weird bathroom yeah <laughs> are you then doomed all of us yeah <laughs> wow alex <laughs> but alex turns to the camera and says blatantly that mac had nothing to do with any of this mac demands to know what happened but alex says that they have a way out now Mac doesn't understand how this is possible when Alex lost all of their money. But Alex asks if Mac has ever heard of a little town called Abaddon in Rockland County. Of course, Mac hasn't. <laughs> Alex says that there's a vacant hotel there called the Abaddon Hotel. And that is where Hell House is going to get its second life. He says that everyone will be here soon and he needs Mac to not say anything. They'll make the money back and next year they'll be back in New York for Halloween. Mac asks if he's even looked at a contract and annoyed Alex said that he has. Alex is like, contract? <laughs> <laughs> Mac correctly predicts that he has a feeling that Alex has gotten him into something that they will never get out of. Alex tells his friend to relax and back him up because the hotel is going to be perfect for them. He announces that the rest of the crew is here and Alex tells Mac again to back him up and do this for him. They turn to greet their friends as they approach. It cuts to black. The music continues and the rest of the credits roll. So what did you guys think of Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel? I really enjoyed this movie still. I, um, I watching it. Yeah, there, there is a lot of nitpicky things or kind of stuff that i was like hey you know and i even got confused in it i mean <laughs> you know with the with the back and forth and i was like well what the fuck's happening now yeah um but i did enjoy this movie and i think you're right this is one of those movies not to just put on and then everybody kind of like oh, oh but it's for everyone to pay attention and see what's going on have some drinks or hang out whatever have a smoke just you know trip out on the movie because it is good and if you're just watching it to watch it then you're gonna get scared you're gonna have a good time well for me anyway you know what i mean um but i did enjoy this and i don't know what charm this movie has on it but i really really like these movies i i I won't even lie, and I haven't pinpointed it yet, but when I do, I'll make sure and, <laughs> and update everybody, because <laughs> I, do, I, I don't know what it is, and I said the same thing about VHS. I yeah. enjoyed this style of movie making. I don't know what's going on, but I did. I was like, man, this is fucking great. I don't know if it's maybe just the, uh, I guess not too much over-the-top, special effects but enough to where it's like if i seen that i can see it in real life watching the movie yeah mm -hmm. and again if i see that i'm gonna be like oh i'm i'm nah again the door opening we seen that and it was very subtle very just and it, nope peace 
That's all yeah, I would have needed. We're done. That's it. Um, but I did enjoy this movie. I can see how it's not. It, there is a lot to kind of be like, what the fuck? But I mean, I I did enjoy it for the most part. I think for me, I mean, there there is a lot of good here when it comes to some of the subtle moments and scares. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the scares kind of get drawn out with the camera situation. Yeah. And then the editor apologizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but i mean there is and i think it's that independent spirit where there is a charm to it yeah because i did feel it with the first one as well i think i feel it more with the first one now than i did before okay i feel like there's just a lot of exposition in this one and i guess it is necessary to expand on the lore Mm -hmm. and i just don't know how they could have done it in a way that would have been less just here's what's going on yeah <laughs> this is what we're doing at this hotel we have a portal downstairs <laughs> yeah a lot of ghouls like to hop in and out yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i you know i don't know it, there's just something about it that i i feel like a lot of it there there is some confusion as far as character maybe motivations mm-hmm. certain things that they should do that they didn't do certain people they introduce that they should bring back and talk to yeah, yeah. but they just don't uh the inclusion of sarah would have made a lot of sense with this one yeah especially for mitchell who hey that's the last person you saw diane with yeah she's that's the one that made her go exactly mm-hmm. and for her to not be here at all yeah, yeah. very strange do not understand uh tully fucking practical joke yeah <laughs> That's amazing. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just feel like uh, I I understand and respect why a lot of people enjoy this and these for sure. I just feel like there's just something about it. It's odd because there's something about it that appeals to me, mm-hmm. but then there's something about it that is just not for me at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I just, it's so strange. Yeah. I think I agree with you, John Paul, that I'm kind of just swept up in the in whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, I can say that if this was a movie on its own, I don't think that I would like it as much. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, I yeah. don't I don't know how to explain it. But just the fact that we're going back to the Abaddon, the fact that we get these clips from before, the fact that we're expanding on that first movie, there's just something charming about it. Like, I, I enjoy it. There are some beats that don't make a lot of sense. Um, Tasselman being Tully, and I, I, that that's hilarious, dude. Like that is so fucking funny to me. Um, he's just shaking his head. <laughs> I I love it. I think that it's hilarious. Um, when the wall broke in the basement, was that him coming home? Like I don't, oh, I don't know. Okay. What that is. <laughs> but as soon as he left the studio, yeah, yeah. Like, honey, I'm home. I still don't know what that was. I'm not sure either. And but, how did they get away from it? There's demons coming through a portal to hell. Yeah, and they're like, no, go upstairs. And where's yeah. David? <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. Did they drag him to hell? Yeah, 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 yeah. He oh. got dragged through the portal when they were in the basement. Poor David. I liked David. Yeah, the best of us. Yeah. The best of them. Well, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, because he could fix the camera. That's what they were like. No, 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 no. He yeah. keep the oh, light yeah. on. Yeah. Get rid of him. You got to get the hell uh, out yeah. of here, dude. We can't let him have light. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that this is a lot of fun. Um, but I am fully aware in saying that I did still enjoy this. It is not as good as the first one. No. Um, by quite a bit for me. 
And uh, I can acknowledge that it does have a lot of problems, but I just, I feel like I just like these movies. Yeah. Um, But we can kind of go into ratings on that note. I will say that we just did an episode of Talk Mortem where we re-ranked a lot of movies, re-rated a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. And I want to do that today for the first Tell House. I'm not going to. I'm going to wait until we cover three and then I'm going to, put them all where they should be so i'm rating as the original hell house is a 7.5 that was my original score but we've we've kind of taken the good and the bad as we go along there yeah. are moments that are just flat out ridiculous there are moments that are kind of hilarious there are people that should have been brought back um that weren't and people that like you were talking about cliver that we just kind of like are pretending that he didn't exist yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's I, important yeah. yeah and i forgot about them until you brought it up but he should be here he should. yeah <laughs> but that being said those really subtle moments of horror are such a success for me and i feel like i am so thirsty for them that i'm willing to overlook a lot of the bullshit because did you see that the people said yes he says yes, yes. <laughs> you know what i mean like i live for shit like that i love the the shit quietly walking around in the background and nobody sees it but us like i really like that mm -hmm. and so being able to execute that i am a little more forgiving about the stuff that doesn't really work or doesn't really make a lot of sense or mm -hmm. the fact that um tully put on no disguise to be tasselman <laughs> 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 except i guess glasses yeah yeah um which uh so good um but with all that being said and again, this will change in the future, but this is based on my score from the first one. On a scale from one to 10, incognito cult leaders, I am giving <laughs> Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel, 6.5 out of 10 incognito cult leaders. I would say it's a good point difference, at least. Okay. From the first one. But, uh,. Yeah, we'll talk more about that when we cover the third one. <laughs> but I will now open up the floor to you. Um, I think I kind of already went over how much I did enjoy <laughs> it as well. But I and I think for a lot of the things too, like I said, for me, they I think it is just that we do talk about how much we want to be scared or actually get a like a physical reaction out of it. Oh God, I got goosebumps or, Oh shit. I don't, I kind of got to go pee, but I don't want to, because <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're, you're, it doesn't matter that you're a grown up. You, you know what I mean? You still get that feeling of fuck the hallway's dark. It's like maybe if I run and turn on the light, <laughs> like the ghost won't catch me. But, and, and this, again, this movie did give me that reaction. So I can't even be like, Oh no, I didn't like, I really, really did enjoy this movie. And I, I think, it is for me that too. The good that we get, whatever isn't working or whatever, those moments overshadow all of that for me. And it does. And I'm. And this movie is far from perfect. And this is far from being one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. But it is a movie that the more I think about it or the more I reflect on it, I'm like, man. I really enjoy that series. You know what I mean? Or these set of films. Uh, I haven't seen the third one yet. The first and second one I am, I will cut for. Uh, <laughs> this one isn't as good as the first one, but I do still enjoy the shit out of this movie. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
incognito cult leaders, mm-hmm. I'm going to give Hell House LLC to the Abaddon Hotel, <laughs> <laughs> the remix, mm-hmm. <laughs> an eight out of 10. I really enjoyed it. And I know you said that for you, it's a whole point off. I gave the first Hell House an 8.5. Mm-hmm. For me, I do think that what they do deliver, and again, I'm still, I'm going to try to figure out what it is specifically that I do enjoy about these because I want to see more of that. And it did grab me in a way to where I was like, God damn. I was like, man, I, I you know, I'm a little, I'm kind of a little, and like, I don't really get that <laughs> way. It's like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. said, getting up even in the middle of the night and you know, there's nothing in your fucking, you've gotten up to pee so many times before or whatever, or gone, you know what I mean? And me just going, coming back and getting that image in my head. And I was like, God damn, I got scared for like a half a second there. <laughs> I was like, man, that's, that does affect you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, for me, that's why I gave it as high as they did, because I know that if it didn't, then I would have been like, eh, you know, it wasn't whatever. But it did give me a effect after the movie. Yeah. So I can't even, you know what I mean? I won't even front on that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I think it's kind of the opposite where I have these good moments that are like, wow, that's great. Yeah. But then they are kind of taken away because of, certain things that happen around them right yeah like the moment with the hitchhiker that's fantastic yeah, yeah. the moment with melissa from the first film mm-hmm. brilliant yeah same thing with the subtle scares in the background the clown walking by mm-hmm. the yes 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 on the uh table table yeah, yeah. Th- these things are great but then i'm like man why is it edited this way yeah. That is that is no, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a miss. Yeah. Why are we destroying the tension that we've just built by taking us back to the set of Morning Mysteries? Yeah, yeah. with this all-encompassing fucking green screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's pretty rough. That. <laughs> you know, like so. I don't know. I th- I feel like it it kind of becomes a bit of a mixed bag for me. Mm-hmm. And I do agree with what you're saying as far as you're like, if this is a film on its own, it's not. Yeah. As, you know. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because like, well, I yeah. don't get it. For me, it really does feel like it. And that's where the difficulty comes in. You have these questions being answered that you had from the first one. Right. You're like, that's fantastic. But then you also have it. You're like, well, this really just feels like the middle of something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, I want it. I want it to be able to stand on its own, be a connection. Right, right, right. But for you to feel so much like the middle of a trilogy. Yeah. Right. It kind of it gets a little, I don't know. You want more, but then I don't know. And then at some point, part of me is like, well, do we, did we need these questions? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it necessary? Yeah. I don't know. Like, Thanks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, it could have just been, we assumed there were financial troubles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first film is so contained you're like it might have just worked on its own <laughs> so i mean i don't know and i probably will re-rank them like you said uh after we cover the third one yeah, yeah. and i am gonna watch uh origins yeah. of oh, course yeah. yeah i think it'll be out a few days after this i think uh, so on the 6th october the 6th thank you yeah uh, and i will watch it but I think for me, out of 10 incognito cult leaders, I'll incognito in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to give Hell House LLC to the Abaddon Hotel. <laughs> Entirely too long. <laughs> Entirely too long. Five 
incognito cult leaders out of 10 because it is one that i i think that i will watch again yeah it's not one that i'm like oh never yeah yeah, yeah. it's not an american werewolf in paris yeah oh yeah. no it's not that <laughs> so i love so much that we experienced that together and now we have a bar yeah <laughs> see yes, thank, so you. thank you thank you the gift that keeps yeah. on giving yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Hell House LLC to the Abaddon Hotel? And what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow each of us on Instagram at Blood and Smoke, at Juggalo Daddy 84, and at Travis MWH. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at Real Streeter 84, and at Travis MWH. Thanks again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, always listen to your gut. If you're lucky enough to leave a dangerous situation, do not allow yourself to be lured back in. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Woo. Yeah! Oh, no! <laughs> We're not in sync this Sorry. week. <laughs> I think the uh, Abaddon had something yeah. to do with it. Are you really John Paul Vasquez? What? Why are you wearing glasses? <laughs> T, why are your glasses gone? Andrew Travis. <laughs> <laughs> a special thank you to... Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers, ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Apollon Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Barry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M., Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poopoo Head, Beth Bauer, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Hagetta, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, Emel Tafoya, Abigail Spitzer, Katie Kay, Erica Morin, Cameron S., Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A., Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E., Maggie H., 
Fernando Dominguez, Murderstina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McConaughey, Kristen Marcy, Ori81 Boricua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Montez Shamwell, Felnez 63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Pack, Charlie V, A Lizard, Brian Watson, Luke Ashley, Jay Rich, Jen Lasseter, Topher Williams, Elena Mettler, Neil Chesson, Valerie Kay, Kim Sterling, Christy Lee Kruger, Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker, Naomi, Josh Smith, Autumn Green, Jess L., Itzel, Heather Santiano, Abby Kopp, Crystal831, Cassidy Carruthers, Skank Sinatra, Morgan Alexander, Tony Osteen, Julie Fredborg, Rihanna S., and Daniel Taylor. What a list. Hey! That is amazing. Yes, yes. Thank you. We want to thank you all and tell you that we appreciate you, and we hope that you all... Hmm. Sleep sweet. Ah, yeah, all right. Call back to the Paul was underrepresented. Yeah. I mean, anyway, was kind of <laughs> he was gross, he was. but he was important. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.